deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I am your host, CC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, I am. I'm get, I'm getting jazzed up. I'm getting I'm getting my energy up. Uh, mm. I, I normally wait until after the news segment to go and get my like mid show snack. Yeah. Do you get a snack between between segments usually? Mm, I usually do between uh, common room and the main episode. Okay. So I okay. just I just had a granola bar. Yeah. Yeah. See. See. I usually grab a granola bar or a. Um, uh, uh t- today i got a i just had a string cheese Ooh, uh, one, yum. one string cheese uh, uh between that's a lot that's a lot less dangerous than i think the uh granola bar right before you podcast because you can kind of get that granola throat thing uh-huh. which is why i'm always like, <laughs> like right <at> <laughs> what kind of granola bar do you get like i believe it's a breakfast kind bar and hmm. i think it's the blueberry vanilla flavor Ooh. Blueberry vanilla sounds nice. Pretty good. Yeah, I usually get those when I get granola bars. I usually get the like, the like peanut butter, uh, like the really crunchy ones. Oh sure. The really crispy. They're like really crispy. Nature Valley or whatever they're called. Oh, those those will give you some granola throat. Those will give you granola throat, and they're also like they're so good. Like they're very they're very tasty. But you you bite into them and like crumbs, even if you have a plate, like <laughs> those, you are not getting rid of those crumbs anytime soon. You got to get out the vacuum. You yeah. got to get out of broom. Yeah. You need like a bib to eat those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I grabbed my snack a little early because we, we've got some, um, I don't know, it's time to roll up our sleeves a bit this news segment. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, and so I needed the protein. Um, we have received, we always get, you know, before, before we record during the week, I will receive emails and, and tweets and, and DMs and whatnot. are just like, Hey, here's the thing. Uh, Lovely. yeah, here, here, here's the thing for you to check out. And, and, you know, I, I can't respond to all of them, but I do, <laughs> I do appreciate them all the time. Uh, uh-huh. a lot of the time it's stuff that I've already seen. Um, sure. But I, but I, I, I have immense respect and gratitude for all of our fans um, uh, uh, thinking about us. You know, mm, it's always yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's always nice. Um, this time I've got to say I was in kind of a pickle because I was <laughs> DM'd and and linked to multiple times. Many many people made me aware of this that. Um, a fellow Harry Potter podcast, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, was being uh, uh, put on blast, I think is maybe the best way to describe <laughs> it. Uh-huh. Um, and I I had a moment, like, seeing, you know, all these messages and stuff where I was like, surely we've gone in on Harry Potter and the Sacred Texts before. And then I realized that no, because I'm really... I. I think there's kind of been an unspoken rule between us that just like we don't we're not like going after other shows or anything, right? Like if that it's a little unbecoming perhaps. But I think <laughs> I think I've definitely gotten a few sneak disses in here and there. I I think that a 
careful listener that also is familiar with, I'm being very careful, with mm-hmm. Harry Potter and the Sacred Texts might mm-hmm. notice some jokes that otherwise <laughs> maybe maybe flew under the radar. Yeah, I may or may not have impersonated one of the hosts at some point. Uh, you know, um, they we are very aware of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, but I, I very had this, aware. Yeah, I had this moment when when everyone was sending me this and going like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this! Have you seen this?" Where I was like, "Do I say anything?" Because mm. because I again, as funny as 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 it is, I I think we have just you know we've we've avoided talking about it because I I just didn't want didn't want to cross that bridge. But I think there is no better time to talk about, and and maybe not even talk about them directly so much as use it as like a springboard to talk about like kind of our, like use them as like a model for our like broad thesis about the Harry Potter fandom. Uh, But charging $300 to uh, join a Zoom call with Travis McElroy uh uh to talk about <laughs> Harry Potter as a sacred work. We can't not talk about this. <laughs> what bad timing. Really I, bad, you huh? Know, you know. <laughs> I, I like like we said, been aware of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text for a very long time. Uh have maybe maybe told some jokes, maybe had a private laugh or two or three or ten between the two of us privately. And this program this harry potter summer camp is something that we have talked about because it's obviously been in the works i think they do this every year maybe they they um this year is is a new format obviously because of the pandemic but they used to hold this kind of thing like in person at a cottage or like you know other other building that that they have people travel to to do this the seminar in person right and and what a what a perfect storm that this year they would get attention because mm-hmm. it's a $300 Zoom call with Travis McElroy and <laughs> J.K. Rowling just released a manifesto. Yes. Like, wow. Not a good time to be <laughs> to be Harry Potter and the Sacred Texts. I will read the, uh, the blurb for the uh, ticket uh, uh, offer that blew up on Twitter. Mm-hmm. For only 200 participants ages 15 and up, we will create a sacred space for a week of joy, reflection, and celebration. Come with us and set an intention. Maybe you want to reflect on how this year has been different than you had planned, or want to think about the relationships in your life, and ask big questions of the Harry Potter books, yourself, and of your community. We will guide you with sacred practices and organized reflection tools to take a spiritual retreat with Harry Potter as your central text. $290. I don't know if now now is the time. Now, I I think that there, just personally, I think that never is the time. Oh, you think never is the time? (laughs) (laughs) I I think that when you are treating, even, I think even your favorite piece of media as a sacred text, uh, uh, I, I think I think that is a problem. Mm. But I think that especially now, this is uh, crazy. Yeah, I think there's a part in there, maybe in a reply tweet, because because they kind of got, like you said, 
put on blast. Perhaps roasted a tad. A little bit. Um, and they, they had some said some replies on Twitter. Um, and I think one of them said they've never considered authorial intent. So they don't know where to go from here. <laughs> and I, I am having a real, real trouble with that. Um, I am not a religious scholar by any means. I'm not sure how you, how you read something <laughs> is, as a sacred text and don't consider <laughs> authorial intent. Is, I've is, been really like chewing on that one. I do. And I do believe that the background here is a Christian divinity school yes. background. Yes. So, so I'm just, I'm a little bit there. The cartoon question marks popping up above my head. So, so kind of to like zoom out and give some background for people who are unaware, this is a long running and quite popular podcast about Harry Potter that each week they go chapter by chapter, just like us and, and, uh, you know, take a critical, uh, uh, read of each, of each moment, just like us, but, but through the (laughs) lens of, um, uh, you know, treating Harry Potter like a sacred text. And when I say treating Harry Potter like a sacred text, I mean, they uh, uh, quite literally at the end of each episode, they will pick a like a, a, a Christian or Jewish like reading practice mm-hmm. and like apply that to the chapter and sort of talk through it in kind of like broad uh, uh, faith based terms. There is no specific denomination or like like specific religious lens that they're looking through. It's very broad. I am not religious. I I am like I, I am not religious, but I find religion fascinating, right? And I don't think that religion is like an invalid lens to look at media through. I think that's a very interesting and like worthwhile pursuit. Yeah. But this in particular, and also right now, and also specifically with like you say, their their very interesting statements about like uh, not considering authorial intent. And like, there was one, what was the tweet that was just like, Oh, it's, you know, we're, 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 we're thinking about this. It's very hard to be a Harry Potter fan right now. And it's yeah, like, that, that's, who, that's what it's hard to be a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's yeah. That's the, uh, that's where the real suffering is. Yes, exactly. So, so they, they have run, run this for a while. And like I said, we, we've, we've, we've sort of like, you know, quietly and, uh, privately made fun of this for a while, <laughs> but it it is interesting to see it blow up and see them try to grapple with uh, uh, the public response to it because, like, I I think that it is really emblematic of a lot of the issues the fandom is facing, and like even in some of like I would say the better statements from you know from actors and from like you know like fan sites and whatnot that have like distanced themselves from jk rowling so much of it always comes back to centering themselves and centering the fandom is like the the book the book belongs to us not her type thing and it's cool to still like it and like like making that the focus and i mm-hmm. think that this is maybe the most like i i think that i think not everyone is doing it to the same like harmful degree that this show is mm. but i think that if if you are someone who's like first response to jk rowling's behavior being like oh my god i like harry potter like right. like th- i think that this is a good opportunity to like look at someone who's doing that to a way way louder degree and going like huh maybe i should reconsider this 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is the case where J.K. Rowling is doing real material harm uh, to people, you know? Yeah. And then to take that and being like, but I like, but I like brand. <laughs> yeah, and it's like uh, the to to be in a position where I would say, you know, this is just my personal take, but I would say that this is a shaky premise at best, right? The like taking a recent pop cultural artifact and treating it as a sacred text. Obviously, that is I, I find that uh, uh, troubling on many levels, but. If you are then, if you are truly devoted to that as a model, right? I think the point where, when 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 you are working on reading a sacred text and you know and discussing a sacred text with other other you know believers and theologians and whatnot, you are trying to interpret something that you like believe has a divine source that you uh-huh. can't just like you can't like go down the road and ask god what he meant by this right (laughs) or like 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 that is that that is generally like the entire premise that like reading sacred texts is built on Uh uh-huh jk rowling is someone who will not shut the fuck up about exactly what she means about everything all the time right yeah so i just can't handle the idea of like maintaining this premise when the author because the author is not not in a like critical lens sense or in a very real sense, the author is not dead uh, here. <laughs> the, yeah. o- the author is very much alive and, and keeps reminding us uh, that the author is alive. And to, to just like in the face of that, like fundamental conflict coming to bear here to then charge $300 to <laughs> to talk about how great this series is with with one of the McElroys. It's just like, what? What's going on over there? What are you doing? Yeah, it's kind of wild. It's, yeah. I, I get that this was probably planned before J.K. Rowling went fully off the, off the radar, but, like, also she's been doing this for a long time, and, like, we have been saying since the dawn of this show, the evidence was always there, right? Like... Like, this is, I, I think that even if she hadn't released a manifesto, I think treating Harry Potter as a sacred work is just a bizarre uh, uh, thing to do. But, like, I, I, I don't know how you can square these two things. I, I don't understand how you can, like, on, on, on one hand publish all of these like like there are fans of that show writing it or 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 calling in and giving like these very emotional voicemails of like how betrayed they feel by by jk rowling now right Mm -hmm. and to like publish like basically just like compile a playlist of like everyone's pain and then ask them for three hundred dollars to to chat about it is like i think it's deeply fucked up yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that even just the text of the show, which is what I would call an academic veneer mm-hmm. over doing pop fandom mm-hmm. stuff that really isn't that academic, <laughs> is um, I, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if now is the time to really kind of defend that. Or try to make that work. Because honestly, like, doing pop fandom stuff, while I don't, I don't really care one way or the other, it almost is just, 
um, like maybe don't elevate it as some sort of like divine purpose outside of like, it's fun. Right. Yeah. Because that's really the answer is it's like, I want to talk about the Harry Potter houses. Cause I think it's fun. Yeah. And it's and like, all right. I, and I respect that more, honestly. Right. Like I, like, you know, for, for as, as much as I'm, 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 I'm blowing gas here. I'm like, I'm, I am still doing a Harry Potter podcast because I think it's fun to talk about. I think we have perhaps a different take than this other show right but like at the end of the day fundamentally it's still a harry potter podcast but like i i just can't grapple with with this like cognitive dissonance of like like oh we are we are still treating we still believe that treating this series as quite literally you know an elevated work uh in the midst of all this i i, I just can't like this isn't a test of faith. Like J.K. Rowling is not God. You you don't have to, you don't have to maintain this premise. It's 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 weird, right? Like like. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. I'm I would probably find some shred of respect if they would you know refund people's money and cancel it or change or change the premise of what they're doing. But um, uh, it's. I, I don't know. I, I think that fandom culture uh, is having a little bit of a reckoning, at least in in the Harry Potter world, right? And I have mm-hmm. a lot of, like, kind of human sympathy. Oh, yeah. For, I mean, we, there, there are a lot of content creators that we talk about and don't um, and don't mention on the show, right? Because that's not really what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Well, what episode are we on? This will be episode 122. Four, one twenty-three, I think. Yeah, so we've so we've earned this one, right? Like we're, we're, <laughs> you know, one out of one hundred twenty-three. Uh, we can talk about sacred texts, but they're like our. I, I, you know, I checked in on a lot of the like individual YouTubers and things, and I'm like, damn, yeah, that would be really hard if you staked your whole career and all of your relationships and all of your you know, friendships on a brand mm-hmm. and hoping the brand doesn't do anything bad, right? <laughs> yes. I, there is a human level of sympathy mm-hmm. I have for that. Totally. I have a lot less sympathy for this, uh, both because th- this is, this, I think, for me, clinches, like, why this leaves such a bad taste in my mouth. And it's that uh, uh, one of the hosts... Aside from, you know, having this, I would call, I was about, I, oh God, I was going to say intellectually dishonest, but I'll be nice. I'll say, I, I would say misguided Harry Potter show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 I have a hard time reading that, like, premise in good faith when, like, he runs a consultancy firm. And like design firm, or or he, you know, maybe not run. He co co founded a, a, a mm-hmm. consultant consulting firm, which is one of the most skin crawling websites I've ever visited in my <laughs> life. Where if you think that like applying real world religious practice to Harry Potter is a little weird, this sounds like like this sounds like something out of a horror movie where they like open the portal to hell or something. 
At Sacred Design Lab, we apply ancient wisdom to today's problems by listening to elders, learning from scholars, and working with spiritual innovators and practitioners, we've collected a portfolio of ancient best practices to help clients tap into what matters most. Understand, we uncover users' longings and language through targeted insight gathering. Imagine... We design and facilitate experimental off-sites to unleash imagination. Design, we apply ancient wisdom to discover soul-centered solutions. A company, we walk with creative leaders to implement new ways of working. Here's a testimony. The Calling. Equip healthcare systems to combat the epidemic of social isolation. Partner. Healthcare Foundation. I would love to know mm-hmm. what Healthcare Foundation that was. Impact. Inspired by the success of congregational small groups in deepening relationships, Sacred Design Lab is piloting strategies that help patients nourish an inner circle of social support, translating meaning-making practices from early Methodism and Jewish Havruta study Sacred is developing practitional strategies for healthcare providers to offer effective social prescribing to achieve better health outcomes. I feel like I'm playing the new uh, the new World of Darkness vampire game right now. Yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> right? It's like a Ventru scheme. This is like 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 peak grifter. Like the problems are bad, but the causes are very good. <laughs> Calling, reduce suffering and support emotional well-being, partner, tech company. Impact, drawing on Buddhist meditation, monastic reflection practices, and embodied nature-based celebration, Sacred Design Works created a wide-ranging bank of practices for an app to help users withstand emotional turbulence and find meaning and connection throughout the day. Like, I'm sorry, there is a sickness in this website. <laughs> I, I, how, how could you, like, take, if, if you are, if you are someone who is, is religious, how could you spin that into, like, business efficiency speak? Like, how fucking dark is that? And if you're <laughs> not religious... How dare you, right? Like, it's, it's like, um, from both angles, it is so deeply disturbing to me. And, like, that is why I do not have really any, any good faith read on the whole Sacred Text project, because it's like, it is just, it, 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 it feels like a grift to me. Like, to, to, to be spouting these, like, feel good self help religious things in the midst of jk rowling saying trans people are evil predators i just i mm, mm, it makes me mad yeah it's pretty brutal and it's like they get 300 dollars a head for people on their zoom call and i don't think anyone's taken us up on our um our 24-hour harry potter movie marathon where we <laughs> them outside <laughs> yeah why 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 join their Zoom call when you could join ours where we'll be banging pots and pans together, <laughs> we'll be lighting fires, we'll be crying whenever Dobby's on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
way better. I just, yeah, I just, mm. the, the, this one's been a, been a long time coming. We've, we've, I've been so polite in not, not <laughs> we, saying anything. Like about I said, it. we get one of these every 123 episodes. <laughs> No, yeah, like I've, I've, I really did have a moment when, when this was blowing up, where it's like, I, like, ugh, am I gonna have to like pass on this? Because I don't want, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to like talk shit on a, on a podcast about other podcasts because I just don't think that's nice to do. And I like being nice, but like I, I think, I think they just went a little too far this time. I think that, I think that like, just in, in to, to, to advertise your spiritual retreat based on harry potter i don't know uh you gotta admit that there is some some divine comedy here that is happening that surely no one uh outside of their circle would have heard about it if it weren't for travis McElroy retweeting it and bringing <laughs> and bringing, bringing the legions of people going like hey what the fuck hey, what the fuck is this <laughs> Yeah, also just really weird of Travis McElroy to do this when I think the last thing he said about J.K. Rowling was like, she can eat my shorts or whatever. It's like, well, okay. But do you think he'll he'll back out of it? No, I don't think anyone's gonna back out of this because I mean like they're gonna they're going to like attempt to address this during the thing, right? Like they're gonna they're you know, they'll They'll take a mo- moment to say, like, and we all know that things are bad right now, but Harry Potter belongs to us, and that'll be that, right? Like, I don't, I, I can't see anything changing with this. How are we going to break into this Zoom call? Is the yeah, question. I am, I am not. There, there are a lot of things I would spend Patreon money on. Snape jersey, uh, um, uh, original Dobby puppet, uh. Mm. I guess those are really the only two things, but but Zoom call with Travis McElroy, not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I am, and I am like, just dying at the mental image of us being undercover at the text <laughs> Zoom call with Travis McElroy. Well, well, we don't, we don't like, we don't post. We we've never done a face reveal on here, so we could be, we could be pretty undercover. I, I yeah again a hundred percent I would do it I'm not I'm not, not paying for... one penny to these people <laughs> yeah no absolutely not uh, I, uh, I... but if there was like a contest we could win mm, there you go yeah if we could yeah if we could if we could sit in uh, 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 as contest winners uh, with with like I don't know wearing fake mustaches or something yeah I've got some thoughts about Harry Potter. I <laughs> I have some meditations, some yeah. some question, big questions. Yeah, I have some spiritual th- questions about Harry Potter. Uh-huh. <laughs> First of all, what is the nature of the soul in Harry Potter? Number two, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I um, I I I I think maybe now, maybe now we'll close the lid on this. But but I uh, wow. Yeah, never thought we would get here, honestly. Um, I'm glad we could introduce this because I think it's been a long running joke between us that they're like our our like evil twin podcast. Yeah, yeah, the absolute inverse of our show for sure. Uh huh. Um, I would, I will, I am sure that no one was going to, but I, I, w- I would also like to say, please, no one listening to this be a cop. Don't, don't snitch tag them. Don't, don't 
yell at them to listen to us. Don't don't get in their mentions on our behalf or vice versa. Just just this is this is our one. This is the one time we're doing this because it was unavoidable. We had we had to comment on on this thing. Not not a fan is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Speaking of J.K. Rowling and her uh, uh, questionable beliefs and practices, there's an interesting bit of news here um, regarding book sales in quarantine. Hmm. Uh, and this was very funny because I had to like double back and and like check um, uh, on this uh, 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 when I first saw the alert because I got one news alert that was like uh, sales of Harry Potter books flagging. Uh, in wake of trans controversy. Mm. And then I got another one that was like sales up for Harry Potter. And of course it, it turns out that in the UK, uh, uh, sales of Harry Potter are up and in the U S sales of Harry Potter are weighed down. Um, so that's interesting, huh? Like that's, I, 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 I have some interesting thoughts on that perhaps. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like, I I think it is tempting to say that that highlights, like, a cultural difference between the UK and the US, but I actually don't believe that. Um, mm. I, I think that that, I think that that maybe lets the US off the hook a little bit in regards to how, it, you know, like, broadly trans people are treated here, right? Um, but it is, it is interesting, right? Like, it, it's... Uh, um, both of these uh, are also in the midst of an overall book sale spike. Mm. So it's not a matter of like, well, people are buying fewer books and, and so Harry Potter is down. It's like, no, but book sales in the UK and the US are up overall. And but Harry Potter is up in one and down in the other. Um, so that's that's kind of an interesting thing that's happening here. Um, could it be that everyone in the United States realized they already have like five copies of the book on their shelf already? <laughs> yeah, that's always something I'm surprised by is seeing that Harry Potter is like still physically a bestseller. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they do the new editions and, you know, there's lots and lots of people out there and, you know, who, who knows how many people are buying their first copy. But it, it, yeah, it, it does surprise me every time. Um, so this is the U.S. version. Uh, U.S. Harry Potter book sales underperforming uh, amid an industry, industry-wide sales boom in the U.S. Sales of print Harry Potter books uh, by author J.K. Rowling lagged, according to recent figures. Uh, Variety reported on numbers from MPD BookScan, which saw fiction print book sales increase 31.4% in June uh, across children's, young adult, and adult fiction. Sales of Harry Potter books by J.K. Rowling uh, did not share that rise uh, with just a rise of 10.9%, um, along with the rest of the other books. And then in the UK, uh, the Harry Potter books contributed to a 27% growth in the children's division, according to Bloomsbury. So there could be on both ends there maybe some like massaged number reporting there it's a little mm. difficult to read between the lines here um but i would um i don't know i'd i'd be interested to to know whether that that's a trend that continues whether jk rowling actually takes a financial hit from this uh, at the end of the day um here's my second theory mhm <laughs> 
as everyone knows, there is a um, a spiritual war between Harry Potter and Twilight at all times. Yes. Being waged in the background. Absolutely. Uh, kind of like a psychic power struggle. And do you think maybe the release of Midnight Sun, of course, Twilight retold from Edward's perspective <laughs> that's coming out in a couple of weeks from now, um, might might have dealt a strong psychic blow to Harry Potter in the spiritual realm. <laughs> is, is, is this you advertising our own, our own, uh, 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 <laughs> Uh, thing that people can subscribe to which by the way is not three hundred dollars it is three dollars if you would like to listen to us talk about twilight soon to talk about twilight yes i guess it does serve two purposes and it's you know advertisement for for our twilight series and, all, and, all, and also um just to raise awareness about about that spiritual battle yeah yeah maybe yeah maybe that's it the 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 um the the army is rising uh, uh, from their slumber after hibernating for nearly a decade, uh, the the what were they? What, what, the Twihards was that what it was? What they yeah, were the Twihards. Uh huh. Yeah. What was the Harry Potter fan name? See, this is why Harry Potter is losing, is losing the Potterheads in the battle. Yeah, I guess like Potter that sucks. I mean, they've got the song. They have the um, everyone's wild about Harry. But yes. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess there's no everyone's wild about Edward's song. Right. <laughs> but that's but that's just the kind of innovation you might see from a renewed spiritual battle. <laughs> exactly. Maybe they will find the, find their theme song. So yeah, so <laughs> I that's the answer I want to be true. Mm-hmm. Is that the storm is brewing. I mean, I ho- I hope that sales have been impacted by jk rowling's stuff but i just also have i'm trying to imagine this like hypothetical person that is just deciding to pick up their copy of harry potter and decides not to as a result of this and i can't quite find that like Mm. venn diagram person that exists yeah this is just one month's numbers too so it's like there's no trend really to like follow it could be entirely random we don't know i I still think the biggest like monetary impact is going to be if WB does anything. Um, I, I just, I, I think that Harry Potter books will probably always sell pretty well. Um, I, I, I imagine that that's not going to change anytime soon. Um, did you see the thing about like the HBO streaming service already losing Harry Potter and like no one really claiming it yet? Yeah, I read that article like 10 times and half the words for nonsense to me. I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. Um, but yeah, I guess they don't have Harry Potter anymore. So it's just gone. It's weird. Well, yeah. So so we, we, we talked about this months and months ago when it was first happening, which was like NBC and HBO have a very weird agreement because obviously like HBO had the rights to harry potter but nbc had some exclusive contract to stream specifically harry potter mm-hmm. um they negotiated some sort of backroom deal or handshake thing or it sounds like it might have been an actual three-month contract we I, I don't know uh if if that that was a rumor that was going around but i don't know if that's been like confirmed yet um to let hbo have it on their new service and then it would eventually transfer to NBC. The weird part of this 
that I, I keep latching onto is that the, uh, in the Variety article about this, it mentions that the news that Harry Potter was being delisted from the HBO surface was on, like, page three of a press release. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, really buried in this thing. Sure. Um, and NBC has not come out saying, like, attention. I had, okay, what's their service called? Peacock subscribers. Attention, Peacock subscribers. Mm-hmm. We're getting, you love Wizard. We're getting him. Yeah, that, that hasn't happened yet. Um, right. So it's a, a I, I wonder if this is like serendipitous that like HBO's contract ran out and they can just <laughs> drop it like a rock. And now uh, uh, NBC has to like come up with an announcement for this thing uh, in the midst of all the controversy or if there's something else going on. I it's it's interesting for sure. I would love to I'd love to know where the fuck harry potter becomes available to stream i'm surprised i'm still surprised at the end of the day that it is not part of wizarding world gold like how how is that not a thing for wizarding world gold has wizarding world gold had anything other than their launch stuff and coupons for tie-in merch i have not seen anything like because they said they were doing that vault thing right where it was like oh, we're going to release all these behind the scenes documentaries and stuff and they did one and it was like an interview with mina lima so it was just like a puff piece that sucks about... so bad yeah and so it's not even like anything new i oh i think they also put up like uh one of the blu-ray documentaries on there but yeah it's like not if if they are updating that stuff they are certainly not making a big like deal out of it i have not seen any any big news coming out of wizarding world gold other than oh my god i didn't even think about this they can't we're in the middle of a pandemic they're not going to be able to uh uh host any more dinners at the stupid tour oh no that was, like, i forgot about thing. that <laughs> God damn it. Was that you could win tickets to go to go eat dinner at the studio tour and have uh, Warwick Davis tell you some anecdotes. Uh, I I am such a slut for drama that I'm like, (laughs) I am like sad a little bit just because I would want to see if they had another one of these things, if the content creators would decline the invites. Because that was like the big thing is that that like all the all the big like Harry Potter YouTubers and stuff were there as like, like costume Mm -hmm. guests. Mm -hmm. And would they say no? Yeah. Wow. I one of my guilty pleasures recently Mm -hmm. has been watching youtube videos of like theme park youtubers going Oof. going to the reopen parks oh. and going like oh wow i feel so safe here because it just feels like pictures taken moments before disaster stuff yeah. right there's yep. some there was there is one in particular that is one of the grimmest videos i've ever seen in my life where like th- these 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 harry potter or uh, uh these disney youtubers like <laughs> First of all, going to downtown Disney, just like already just like a bad idea. Uh, um, But they go to the Disney store Mm -hmm. in downtown Disney and they're looking at merch and like very annoyed uh, uh, in a very annoyed tone of voice. One of them says, all of the best merch here is for children. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's fucking Disney, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I do wonder... 
if we would get a similar thing with uh with like the Harry Potter YouTubers going to the the um this Wizarding World Gold event if they would all show up in costume but in masks and go like wow they're putting us in tables six feet apart so it's safe. I I would like you say, I am also a slut for online drama. <laughs> I would I would kill to see that video. Uh Man. I totally forgot about this. Yeah, that was like the big thing for a while, right? Was that, that was like the, the Wizarding World Gold. I'm going to look this up right now, actually. Wizarding World Gold. What the fuck? Because they just announced the Firebolt shoes. That the K-Swiss. The K-Swiss Firebolt shoes. Um, that you could, if you're a Wizarding World Gold member, you get 20% off. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Oh, Wow. When you go to the Wizarding Gold website, here, this is verbatim the message at the top of the website. Uh Uh-huh. Update. Due to the current situation, a few benefits are temporarily unavailable. Ah. So, okay, so none of the location-based benefits are experiencing temporary disruption at this time. Um, Collectible pin badges are not available. Gold discounts and exclusive access to the Wizarding World tour and shopping locations are gone, but you can still get these great benefits. You can continue to enjoy these great benefits. Interactive secrets and magical surprises that come to life. I swear to God, if they list the free ebooks, I'm going to flip. In your Keys and Curios journal. The second bullet point is all seven ebooks of the original Harry (laughs) Potter series. Gold discounts and exclusive <laughs> access to the Wizarding World online shop. Exciting content. Discover our pick of behind the scenes content. Again, I need to double check, but I don't think they have put anything new on that. 10% savings at Minolina online only. Wait, hold on. Here's a reminder of the great benefits you can continue to enjoy. Save on a Harry Potter vacation package. Get package. Get $50 off the Wizarding World Harry Potter exclusive vacation. No! Don't do that. You can't. Wait, how, how much is is it? Like, it's like we, thousands of dollars yeah, and you we, get 50 bucks up. off? It's like, it's like $1,000 for two tickets. Uh, yeah. Ooh, $50 off. That's a meal at the airport. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's With a soda. You're losing money not buying that. <laughs> uh, what? Just scrolling real quick here. Exclusive access. Priority. Oh, yeah, you can't get tickets to Cursed Child right now, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the exclusive content still only says, discover our pick of behind-the-scenes content and from the archive, blah, blah, blah. In the first installment of our new Wizarding World original series, The Workshop, uh, learn about the creative talent and craftspeople who brought... So that's the Mina Lima thing. They have not added anything to it yet. That's what fucking insane. <laughs> This thing, this thing's been out for nearly a year now. Wow. The brand, the, the brand is very sick. Wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's honestly kind of unbelievable. I did not realize that they had not added any new video content to that thing. I forgot that that thing existed until until the yeah. Firebolt shoes, which was today or yesterday. Those are some ugly fucking shoes. I have to yeah. say. I'm not, not, not just because I'm, I am generally pithy about Harry Potter right now, but man, those are some ugly fucking shoes. 
Mm, they sold out in like two minutes. They sure did. Well, because everyone needed to use their 20% off coupon. <laughs> yeah, they're paying $8 a year. They have to get the value. That's fucking value right there. <laughs> All right. All right. I think that'll do us for our very long news segment this week. We've got quite a chapter to get to. Uh, no, so... I have more news. I want to oh, talk fuck. about the Ichabog. Oh, yes. Yes. Ichabog, please. Yes. This is a, this is a very small, funny thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Ichabog was up for free because of the pandemic. Yeah. Or at least that was like the pitch. That was right? like the premise. Yeah. Because she's like, because all the kids are not in school, I'm putting up the Ichabog for free and you can read it. Um it finished, you know, like last week. Mm-hmm. And obviously it was also to solicit artwork for the art contest, right? <laughs> right. Like yep. you can't, you can't, if you're going to solicit free art from children, um, you can't also make them buy the book. Um, right. Although I'm sure they would if they could. <laughs> um, and so, so it was up for free. Um, and I think maybe end of last week, it all got taken down. Like it oh, was wow. out. Yeah, they, they, she, JK Rowling posted and was like, it'll be up for a little while longer and then it's going away to be published. And, and so they announced what the book cover is going to look like, like the physical copy. And they took down the online stuff. So you can't read it online anymore or at all because the book doesn't exist. I mean, I assume copies of it exist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, since it was all online. But people on Twitter are so upset. Like I mean, there are yeah. so many because it's like a it's like a freaking fifty chapter book, and it's for like nine year olds. So there's yeah. like a bunch of parents in the mentions of the Ichabog Twitter, and also um, like J.K. Rowling's and stuff, being like, my my like ten year old is crying because she didn't get to finish it, like didn't finish it oh in time. Oh my god, that is so. I I knew the part about it like being temporary yeah or, or like I, I knew i knew that it was eventually going to come down i did not realize <laughs> that they were like turning it around that quickly oh yeah holy shit i i honestly assumed i would have time to read it yeah i kind of had decided i wouldn't but when it was ongoing i'm like i'm not gonna set aside time to read a chapter book for nine-year-olds every week <laughs> so so i so in the early days of it releasing i was just like i'll just wait till it's all out and then i'll read it in an afternoon right yeah it's a kid's book yeah and i just like literally missed my chance i don't think i would have anyway <laughs> seeing I'm how sure. it kind of like wrapped up yeah but, i'm sure wow. we can find a copy somehow oh i'm sure there for, are a ton of for, them right it was online money. for free yeah. yeah wow that is that's honestly impressive i <laughs> um i would imagine that it like for one thing i for as much contempt as i hold people who are still fans of jk rowling actively right now I uh-huh. do still kind of empathize with the like, hey, what the fuck thing there. Like if you if you are someone reading that to your kid or just reading it in general and you 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 know aren't aren't you're working or whatever, so you can't devote time every day to 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 reading a few chapters of, of Ichabog. Um but also like I feel like if I was in the shoes of being uh, in charge of J.K. Rowling's public image right now, <laughs> I would do. I would endeavor to uh, not uh, make children upset 
that I, I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like that's a real I feel like that no matter what's going on in your like uh your wards career if you're an agent or a publicist or whatever uh i i would i would stress every day that like making kids cry by taking <laughs> a book away from them is is inadvisable i would say yeah, I mean, there are, like, a lot of stories and a lot of tweets and things that that really were kind of to that effect, where it was, like, I was reading it along, you know, with my seven-year-old or something. Yeah. And obviously, like, you're, like, if you're, you know, probably working and busy, you're not, like, on it, doing it exactly mm-hmm. when it comes out. And so these stories of these parents that are like, yeah, I, t- I told my my seven-year-old we'd finish it up or do these chapters tomorrow, and now it's gone, and they're really upset. And I'm just like, why? Oh. Why take it down? Yeah. Why? That's crazy. That's so funny. I- Especially when you frame <laughs> it as, like, an act of charity for all the kids that are stuck at home not yeah, that was like the entire. Yeah, because that was, like, the entire – she wrote that um, – when, when the Ichabog thing was announced, she, like, wrote that whole story about how, like, oh, I, I dusted off a box in the attic and brought it down, and I asked my teenagers, would you think that we should bestow this upon the children in this time of need? Like, that was, like, the whole vibe of the announcement. Holy fuck. Right? I, I, I I'm honestly <laughs> speechless. I, I thought that it would be, like, yeah, it'll be available, like, for the rest of the year or something for free. Because, like... People who like J.K. Rowling are still going to buy the physical copy. I don't think that there being an online version would really... Because people are going to buy it because they want to see the illustrations and, like, own a copy, right? Like, Yeah, I it, would assume so. I, I mean, they're still buying Harry Potter for some reason, you know? Yeah. I just love the idea of, like... like there's like a fundamental misunderstanding here of like web content that I think is really funny. Mm -hmm. Like, could you imagine if like a web comic did this where they like (laughs) put it online and then say like, okay, the print version's coming out. So it's all gone. Homestuck's gone. Not, not online anymore. Cause I'm making a print version. That'd be so messed up. That would be so fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. I, I feel like when something starts on the web, you like can't, do that oh my god oh it's, my god it's extremely funny um in this ichabod corner where we're talking about this i know i know we've been talking for an hour uh, but i have been thinking about um a tweet that someone sent us oh yes yes for like all week and it's been driving me crazy um because we discovered the ichabod accidentally yes yeah i um let me pull that up because that was very interesting um we did talk about this a long time ago when we were goofing on uh uh JK Rowling's old website. Mm-hmm. Um, old. Had, like, Very yeah. old. Uh so this is from Socks, who tells us I was re-listening to the episode where you're going through the rumor section on JK's old website, and I literally did a double take when you're reading out old title rumors. Uh, I'm pretty sure you both even read it out loud as Ickelbog, and there is a uh, rumor that J.K. Rowling has discredited that says 
<laughs> right underneath the book six is called the pillars of storage rumor which i love i um, love pillars of storage uh book six is called the toenail of Icklebog, or it's I, it's written like Icklebog. There's an Enya over the O, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure how you would pronounce that. Um, but it is, uh, yeah, the toenail of Icklebog is there. This has been driving me wild. Um, yeah. Par- partially because um, I am have lately been experiencing the podcaster's effect where I sometimes see uh, people saying things that I've said. And I think that sounds like me, but I have no recollection of saying them, (laughs) Uh uh, which is just always, always pretty funny. Um, But second, there's two possibilities here, right? One is that this is proof that she's making up rumors to discredit on her website. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like juicy and has some implications. Or two, this was a real rumor and the word got stuck in her head and she used it later. Yeah. Yeah. I I just did like a Google like bracket search for toenail of Icklebog. Yeah. Icklebog. Right. And every result is some like an article or a forum post that points back to that rumor. Uh, right. That's so funny. Was she making up rumors about herself and posting them on her website? Yeah. And what year would have would this have been? Two thousand four is like the earliest I can see here. That's so wild. Yeah, that's really crazy. I I want to say I I can't say for sure, but I I, I want to say that like when um I I when the political fairy tale news came out mm-hmm. when when she said that when when it was first rumored that she was going to be releasing that cause she did like all her like Twitter header changes and stuff for that. Yeah. Um, I I want to say that that like rolling library account that like catalogs all of her work. I think they said that, like, oh, we think that this is the Ichabog. So maybe that name has been floating around elsewhere as well before Mm -hmm. this. But I don't know in what context, where, and if it is because of this uh, uh, thing, right? Like, like... um, Because of, of, like, this this word being planted... um, uh, in, in, in the fandom's consciousness already. Right. I, I just, this, I've been going crazy because this is the most, like, I feel like we um, <laughs> stumbled upon a clue and didn't know it, and to have it brought up as something that we had said in the past is so crazy. I'm and, just looking... And I don't know why she's making up rumors and posting them on her website in 2004. <laughs> like, did she make up Pillars of Storage, too? Oh my god! How many of them are fake that False she wrote flags. herself? I can't believe it. <laughs> okay, no, I'm 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 looking back. The first mention of Ichabog from the Rowling Library is actually after she announced the title, so maybe that title wasn't floating around. That is, mm. if anybody remembers this being an actual title rumor, like on yeah. live journal or anywhere other than JK Rowling's website. Debunking yeah, the would rumor. Need... Yeah. I would be very interested. Yeah. I would love to know. Iclabog. Iclabog. 
or is it a word? Like, does it, it does it mean anything? Like the way it's stylized or, or written. The ends only up results. Rumor. Yeah. The only results I can find are Harry Potter related. Because <sighs> I know that the pillar, like pillars of storage, was like that's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, Iqlabog. I can't. I can't find anything other than people talking about the Harry Potter rumor. Oh, that is wow. We're right? expanding our expanding our brains here. T- <laughs> touching on feel like we're we're like trespassing. Where we've entered the we've entered the the Feruda Shrine uh-huh. storage house here. We're meddling with things we're not supposed to be touching. Yep. Yep. Uh that's so dark. I'm so, I'm very curious. Yeah, if any yeah, if anyone remembers Iklibog being a thing before she talked about that on her website, which I guess would have been November of 2004 is the earliest I can find a mention of it. Uh, uh, let us know. Cause, uh, I don't know what to make of this. Otherwise I am like 99% sure that she must have made it up. I think that she <laughs> made it up and posted <laughs> on her website. And, and the real question that I have is why? <laughs> I mean, she's an innovator. Uh, before that, that, that was, we all know that the, the goal, the, 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 the number one goal on Twitter is to make up someone to get mad at. That's and so true. she was, and so she was, you know, uh, uh, if, if she was, uh, in 2004, uh, inventing someone to get mad at and post about, uh, how, how much it would suck if this, if this thing existed, she's, 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 uh, yeah, she's, she's, uh, uh, an innovator in that field. Yeah, yeah. The the <laughs> imagine if someone made up fake titles for my book, I'm gonna get really <laughs> mad at that person. <laughs> oh fuck, that's so funny. I, I implore her to go back and and maybe maybe start going doing more of these kind of primordial pursuits in her life instead of whatever <laughs> the fuck she's on now. Yeah, well, because now she's getting mad at real people, and it's not funny. No. But if you make up, if you make up a person that sucks and get mad at them and post about them and it goes viral, that that's that's just good posting on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. It's time. It's time to um consult consult the texts. The sacred texts? Uh something like that. Uh this week we read <laughs> chapter 11. It's called The Bribe. Um Harry is waiting anxiously for Creature to return with Mendengus, uh, but it's taking kind of longer than he thought and and tensions are raising in Grimold Place as they just kind of have to wait around. Uh they also spot some death eaters lurking about, uh but they can't get in because of the Fidelius charm. Um and they also are like, "Oh, they probably don't like they would have sent Snape or or a larger force if they knew we were here." Um, Hermione's kind of reading, um, Beetle the Bard, and, and she, she and Ron are kind of arguing, uh, a little bit of cabin fever vibe going on, uh, but someone enters Grimald Place, and, and, um, gets rid of the dust ghost, um, and, and Harry goes to fight, and verifies that it is, in fact, Lupin, who is there to explain everything that's happened between them leaving the wedding uh, and arriving in Grimmauld Place. Um, some of the things that have happened is obviously the ministry has fallen, uh, there was a coup, and Voldemort has installed 
uh, pious thickness as his like puppet minister who he, I think he's controlling with is an imperious curse or maybe he's a death eater. I can't remember. Um, and they've been enacting some, some evil stuff, right? Like death eaters are basically the police force and the police force is the death eaters. Um, and they, and the ministry has, has instituted a muggle born registry, um, where basically they're rounding up all the muggle borns, taking them to court. Um, and, and their premise is that muggle borns, have to prove that they have a wizarding relative or else they will be um, found guilty of having stolen their magic from a wizard uh, and, and put into Azkaban, presumably. Um, the other kind of nefarious thing that they have done is they have taken over the newspaper um, and the, the new like story is that Harry killed Dumbledore. And so now he's a fugitive. Um, and so that's, that's all a bummer. Um, also the death eaters think that Harry has a secret mission from Dumbledore. Of course he does. Lupin tries to get him to tell what his secret mission is, but Harry is still, still loyal to Dumbledore still is like, Nope, I'm not going to tell you. Um, and Lupin offers to like be their like adventuring buddy, bodyguard guy, and be like, "I'll go with you. I, I, you know, I, you know, I know how to do defense magic, and I'll, I'll help you out." Um, but we also find out during this time because Hermione, I think, asks him, "How's Tonks doing?" And we find out that she's pregnant, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione are like, "Hell yeah, that's awesome!" But then Harry gets like super duper pissed off and is like, "You're trying to abandon your kid," um, and and they fight about it. We'll talk about the fight when we get to it. Um, but it basically <laughs> ends with Harry blast or Harry like calling him a coward. Lupin blasts him across the room and leaves. Uh, and Hermione's like pissed off and is like, "Damn it, you sent our help away." Um, Harry Harry decides at that point to pick up the newspaper uh, and read it. And he reads an excerpts of Rita Skeeter's book um, that is all about Kendra Dumbledore and and Bethilda Bagshot's like account of Kendra hiding Ariana in the house um, and not being like social with the neighbors, I guess. Um, Harry's like, wow, that sure made me feel shady to read. Now I feel really bad. Uh, but um, right at that moment, Creature arrives with Mundungus Fletcher um, and Mundungus kind of like goes through all the crimes that he's done. And they're like, we don't care about that. We just need the locket. And we find out that um, someone was going to find Mundungus, but took an interest in the locket. And so he gave the locket to that person in order not to get in trouble. And that person looked like a toad and wore pink. And <gasps> we're like, oh, that's wow. the end of the chapter. Ooh. Wow. I have a favorite image in this chapter. Sure. And it is um, the confused looking Death Eaters standing outside because they don't <laughs> know where the house is. Uh-huh. I, I, I get that that is supposed to be kind of creepy and atmospheric, but to me it is just very funny because especially now that we've got like this new image of the Death Eaters is that they are action movie mooks. Yeah. Um, I love this idea that like, it's, it's like enemies that have spawned, but they have no like AI routine to follow. <laughs> and so they're just like chilling outside. <laughs> just stand. They are just standing. Literally just standing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is, uh, hmm. 
This I want to. A- I want to start out with 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 start out with a bang here. Yeah, this is the best chapter so far. How about that? Yeah, yeah. I think yes. I think that's fair to say. It definitely raises the most interesting ideas and has the most satisfying moments. Yeah, yeah. Stuff yeah. happens in this chapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I will. I agree. Yeah. Best one so far. Uh, it's not that good. Not a high bar to clear. <laughs> um, I guess we start off, like you said, like you said, some atmospheric stuff. Um, there are Death Eaters chilling outside. Um, Ron and Hermione are fighting. Hermione's reading the book. They don't like each other very much, I guess. Uh, yeah, I... There's something about this that really, I think, to me, made me double down on one of my major comments from the end of last chapter, which is that I think this would be so much better if, I mean, like, there are multiple reasons why it would be better if Creature was not Harry's slave anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> but but just from a, like, the fundamentals of storytelling perspective, yeah, uh, it would be a lot better, I think, for the story if Harry just didn't know whether Creature was going to come back here. Um, yeah. because, because the, the whole, all of the like tension in this scene is based on him going like, Oh, is he going to find Mundungus? It's been, it's been three days. What's going on? Um, and I, I think that him being a magic slave who literally has to complete orders, uh, makes that tension a little less interesting. Yeah. It sure seems like there could be some good emotional payoff too. If Harry mm-hmm. is maybe doubting their alliance or mm-hmm. like, you know, them, working toward the same goals, but then having Creature come back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, there are many reasons why Creature should not be a magic slave, but if we just want to boil it down to, like, basic storytelling stuff, uh, it really feels like that would have been better. And that's kind of a running thing in this in this book and, and this chapter, is that, like, there are a lot of, like, ideas that are, like, halfway to being really good, that just don't have that like extra oomph to to get them to where they need to be, and I, I I think that like one of my biggest takeaways from this chapter, uh, uh, is that it it just feels like this is this is such powerful proof of the sway she would have had had over editors at this point. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I feel like you know I am look I we we have a successful podcast. I'm grateful for it every day. I read a lot of books. I'm dumb as rocks. Mm. I am I am very stupid. I wake <laughs> up in the morning and I eat a small pot of yogurt and I mm. sit down and I like look I scroll until I see a funny picture on Twitter. I this weekend I tried to sync up two different recordings of the same symphony to see if they ever uh switch time signatures enough to the point where it would be unlistenable. Oh, how'd that work out? It actually they did a good job. They they that time signature was like dead on pretty much the entire time. Nice. Yeah, pretty. It was, that was entertaining. M- my brain. I'm not smart, but I'm looking at this going. You could make this story work better if you change one thing. And I feel like someone whose job was that, <laughs> and is they were paid for to do that all the time. I, if I can see it, I'm sure they could. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what an editor's job is like. <laughs> I don't know if they do anything. 
on editors, these books. I feel like the power dynamics of like editors and authors like just shift so dramatically based on how well known the author is, right? Oh, based on money. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Who would have thunk? Again, there we go. An proof of my small pea brain there. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I thought I said something very smart there. <laughs> Damn, you think money changes business relationships? Oh, shit. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. But yeah, um, this this really does feel like a chapter with like so many like good raw ingredients that just never really got there you know yeah the reason i like this chapter is similar to the early harry potter books where my criticisms again it's been a long time like i said people often often say things to me now of things i've said before and i just (laughs) have have actual zero recollection like i'll be like yeah that does sound like me (laughs) but i don't really remember so maybe these weren't my criticisms at the time but when i think back on the early books it was like the good ingredients were there and a lot of my criticisms were just like please just push it like a little further like you're it's so close yeah it's like almost there but like you can kind of appreciate the good ingredients for yeah, what they yeah, are yeah. that are there and this has some of that absolutely definitely yeah. not to the extent as the early ones which i think it is easier to appreciate good ingredients in books that are meant for children um <laughs> generally um and so it doesn't carry you quite as far in book 7 that is like pretty like YA adult um zone at this point um, mm-hmm. but I'm like, yeah, there, there's some like good stuff here, but just like ask more questions, push a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like I just even like Ron and Hermione and I don't really enjoy their relationship, but it's just like this moment that I think could be fun if it was taken just a little bit, a little bit more. Like I wish Harry like followed through with this like idea of, of seeing Ron and Hermione like holding hands and being like like feeling lonely or feeling like he he doesn't have anyone. Mm-hmm. And or in damn, this case, I wish I had, wish I had let my girlfriend come with me. Right, and like in this case, it's the opposite where Ron and Hermione are like in this conflict and they're griping at each other, which to me is like kind of annoying and and partial. And, but Harry is just like noticing passively, yeah. I guess. And it's my really- and my question there is like I don't know. I think sixteen year seventeen year olds that just get to go on like a fun camping trip together and get some like downtime in a house with no parents, no rules. Like that's, um, that would actually be sweet. And I don't know why they're fighting. (laughs) Yeah. That's another thing. I wish, I wish that these characters were like doing anything teenagery, you know, Uh like, like uh, for as, for as stressful a situation as they're in, it sure seems like, you know, they're in a, they're in a cool house, no parents, no rules. Uh, I'm pretty sure the the black family had a liquor cabinet or something, right? Like, can we get anything, any sort of, like, character building stuff to see what these characters do without supervision, right? Like, I... Yeah, like, I, I guess I, they just kind of bitch at each other. Well, that's the the other thing, too, there that is so grim to me is, like, we we know that these characters are destined to get married and have kids in, like, a year at this point. Yeah. I feel like if you can't spend two days with people without getting pissy at them, maybe they are not your like soulmate. 
I'm, mm. I'm, I'm going to lay that one out there. I, I, and, like, I kind of see what she's going for, which is that it's tense, right? Like, they're yeah. waiting. They don't know what to do. Like, yeah. emotions are running high. Um, there are Death Eaters literally just standing outside. <laughs> but, like, I could use, like, a scene, you know? Like, have them have them break into, like, the liquor cabinet and, like, party, but things, like, get tense because yeah. they're, like, freaked out. It, but, again, it's just, like, it doesn't, it doesn't push This is the all. part of the anime where they all play King's Cup. Right. Or something. I don't know. Like, like just let them... We have no, I mean, like, this is a doomed conversation because we know that these characters just, like, don't behave like teenagers at all anymore. I mean, like, 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 I I feel just like, I I, I, I talked about this a lot in the last episode, but it's been bothering me more the more I think about it um, ever since, which is that, like, Ron entering Sirius's bedroom and not saying anything about the booby posters is so funny to me. (laughs) Like... Especially because, like, Ron, like, in this book, Ron got, like, the pickup artist book. Yeah. And th- there are so many fun angles you can take that, 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 that scene. I just, uh, like, there's so many missed opportunities for these characters to, like, be characters. Um, and, and, and I, I'm sad that the one characterful thing that they, Ron and Hermione get to do as characters that are supposed to have a relationship here is just bitch at each other after two days. Like, really not inspiring stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not... It is passing up every opportunity to have mm-hmm. fun. Which is, yeah. which is weird for Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, like, I, you know, for as much as we had to uh, uh, criticize about book six, when book six did, like, like dip its toes into, like, fun school drama stuff, it was really good at that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling can write that stuff really well, and it's odd to see her, like, pass up this golden opportunity. It's like, yeah, they're not at school, they're not at home. They're like chilling in a like yeah like have them play some board games have them you know this is the first time we've seen Hermione in like a non professional setting like mm-hmm. does does she does Hermione have like a like hair down mode right to like not no no pun intended but like you know does she behave the same at home that she does at school like do these characters have any interest in booze do they have any interest in like I don't know talking about their lives outside of like the mission right like i yeah i i I want to see these characters bounce off each other here yeah i mean two days is a long time and and what we got to see was them sitting doing nothing right i mean like hermione's reading the book but it doesn't even give us anything about that right like it is a moment where ron is like oh you're reading a kid's book which is just like (laughs) shut the fuck up ron like what (laughs) um but like she doesn't say anything about it. We don't. Yeah. Learn, it's I. I don't know. I, yeah. I just want these books to be fun. I want them to get to the fireworks factory. I want the teen drama to happen. Uh, and like you said, the 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 fact that Ron and Hermione are in a relationship and Harry is not here is another really like like obvious like yeah, this is where the drama of stories comes from thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just not used at all, really. Like, Harry Harry 
told his girlfriend, no, you can't come on the cool adventure with me. And they broke up over it because he's so noble. And Mm -hmm. now Ron and Hermione are here and they're they're smooching and arguing like a married couple, which I mean, that fucking sucks. Like that, (laughs) that that's where we're at after two days. But nevertheless, it's like, I want Harry to emote or like feel or think things about this. Right. And like connect it to his own life. Cause like, God, if he's going to be the POV character, what else are we here for? Right. Yeah. Lupin is here. Lupin is here. And another another um, moment from the dust ghost. I'm so... This is... Okay. <laughs> this is my favorite moment in this chapter. Mm. And it's in, I think it is entirely unintentional comedy. But just the, the like, clockwork m- motions of Lupin entering, the curse flying at him, and then the dust ghost, like, rising up. It's like, he... Oh, he, he walked... It's like when you, you, you see how a video game map works. You're like, it's oh, like, that's you where trigger you trigger this... the enemy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're triggering this script and this anime, this enemy appears. <laughs> this Lupin's run this dungeon so many times. He can do Ugh. big pulls. It's so funny. Yeah, Lupin can do some big pulls. He knows this dungeon back to front. It's okay. I have such a weird complaint about Lupin in this chapter. Sure. He's not Lupin. Yeah. Who is this character? That, that has arrived. <laughs> yes. That's the real answer. Except, except, he's serious in, like, actions, mm. but also this, like, new affectation he's picked up where he <laughs> speaks like a Shakespearean actor. Where did that come from? Uh, thank you for the setup. That's from Fenrir Greyback's um, improv <laughs> troupe. <laughs> that has to be it, right? Like, I... You're a werewolf one night out of the month. That's what they're doing. They're they're doing Shakespeare in the Park together. <laughs> Outside the orphanage. <laughs> when when when, uh, when when Grayback gets to the the Alaspor York scene, he gets an actual child's head. And he oh, holds no. it up. He's like, "Grr, alas, poor York. I knew thee well." <laughs> like, I, <laughs> but yeah, like like Lupin comes in. And, like, when the dust ghost charges him, he's like, it was not I that killed you, Albus. That's not how Lupin talks. Where did that come from? Yeah, he's just, There's... like, a normal guy. Yeah, like, he's, he, he has, like, a, a new affectation that he's picked up along the way somewhere. Uh, I th- There are more lines later. The one that really sticks out to me is when he, like, asks him if he can tag along by asking... Shall three become four? And it's like, <laughs> who is this guy? What the fuck? You're Lupin. You're like the you're like the dusty professor. Like what? What's... <laughs> where do Where do you think J.K. Rowling picked that up? Like what 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 influenced this weird affectation Lupin has suddenly? The only thing I can think of is that like, obviously David Thewlis in the films did a, an amazing job. And yeah. he is he is a stage actor. Okay. So is this like a But that's not how they wrote his lines. No, that's In... what I mean though. Is like <laughs> but like did, did 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 some wires get crossed there where she's like, "Oh, I love I love this actor. I'm going to write stuff that would sound cool for him to say." That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> it's really it is it creates quite a weird effect uh for Lupin here. Yeah. 
I'm looking this up. I'm, never mind. He's actually not that much of a stage actor. It's mostly film. Okay, so I, I, yeah, my theory is completely wrong here. I have no idea. Did you know that he was Lord Darius Crowley in World of Warcraft? What? Yeah. I did not know that. Wow. Cool. Just just another crossover for us. Yeah, I um I I just don't know where this like this this new Lupin came from, but it makes these scenes very funny because it's like he might as well be a new character who was introduced cuz <laughs> he he uh as as we'll get to when we get to the fight, like his his motivations seem to be serious's and his affectations seem to be entirely new, so it's like he could just be a new character at this point. I, like, is this what fatherhood did to him? Like he, like he got got Elaine pregnant, and now he's like, "This is what how I must be." <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna act like a tragic Shakespearean figure for the rest of my life now. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just it it makes this very strange, especially because his his role here is to arrive and sort of like deliver like the news of the outside world. And so he almost really does have like a a, a like um, Greek chorus vibe almost, where he like he like arrives and then in, in very grand, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, actorial ways he like tells them all the bad shit that's happening. Yeah, I didn't really think of the, it in that those terms. Um, honestly, probably because I did enjoy the fight. And I, and I, I mm-hmm. like, I enjoyed it in that it is drama. And like I said earlier, I am a <laughs> slut for drama. Um, and so I was like, hell, hell yeah. Right. Like, like finally the fight that they have, which we'll get into the specifics. It was like, it was sort of like when we talked about the wedding where it's like a bunch of characters were like, oh, I'll fight this person, but doesn't. So it's like, mm-hmm. it just teases it. I was so it felt like this release of pressure to have two characters basically just say the like most hurtful shit possible to each other. <laughs> I'm just like, hell yeah, finally. Yeah. Finally um, we're getting some drama. So I, so I liked that fine, but like, you're right because now, now I'm realizing the fight is really just because Lupin in this scene existed to show up, deliver some exposition and then needed to leave. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and like, it's, it's uh do, do you want to kind of go out of order here and like talk about the the drama first because i think that is like the, the more interesting part of this chapter sure yeah yeah because it's lupin it's lupin he it's it's like it's like the main lupin part of this chapter mm-hmm. this is so close for me yeah yeah it's kind of how i feel about it like i i love like you say i love that finally some sparks are flying between some characters mm-hmm. what i dislike about it is that much like Lupin and Harry's argument much earlier in this novel, it is mostly just there for Harry to be right about something. Yeah, um, which is weird because I, especially in this instance, think that they can both be right. Yeah, I think they're both real. Like, the um, the premise is that, like, he, uh, Lupin finally lets slip that Tonks is pregnant, um and that pisses Harry off because when don't he, worry if anyone is wondering Hermione squeals with delight at Hermione this she's news. just so excited to hear this news uh-huh. because she's a girl yeah um but um Harry Harry is very pissed off by this and he's like oh you're you're running out on your on your kid 
he takes it very personally, obviously, because right. because his dad his dad died to save him. So like that's understandable for Harry, and I like that. I like that that is his reaction, and get, like like that gets him heated, right? Yeah. Um, Lupin's perspective, I, I think, because he doesn't really get a word in edgewise here, is that like, well, I'm. It's not a abandoning my kid to try and save the world from the guy who's going to murder my kid right yeah he, and, and that's the real problem here is that harry when he says something is always just delivered for him to be like epic and correct yes and i don't think he is no i, I think they're i think they are both i, I think both of their feelings are valid mm, right mm-hmm. like it is it's an understandable moment for harry but also like Lupin's not motivated to like Lupin's not putting himself in danger because he's a pussy right like he's <laughs> he's doing this because he wants the world to be a better place for his kid right I mean it's such a like weird whiplash because the the, the exposition that we'll talk about um, that he delivers is very scary he is yeah. delivering news of a nightmare world, right? Yeah. Like, like it, and and he does take a little bit. The angle that he uses is maybe like a little harsh, and 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 honestly, like very adult. Like, I I kind of appreciated that the what his sentiment was while correct comes from like a selfish place, which is mm-hmm. that he's like, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have married her. We shouldn't be having a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, werewolves don't often like reproduce. So I don't know if the kid is going to be a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the way he framed it was like, I'm kind of running away at the same time. It is also that in the current political situation, his wife and kid as a result of, of them making this choice are going to be killed, right? Like mm-hmm. the government is going to, crack down and probably kill them if that kid is a werewolf so lupin being like okay i have to kill voldemort that seems completely reasonable to me yeah yeah that that makes sense i think that tracks yeah that's yeah that's not and and i wish that like like you say the the this argument is unfortunately framed for harry to get like cool one-liners in which is a bummer because i and like this has the vibe of like a, a West Wing episode, honestly, mm. where like the bad character says like the wrong political opinion. And then the the, the like cool White House character is like, um, actually, if you look at the numbers, uh, we have been making it better for werewolves all over the country with our new policies. So, yeah, why don't you stick that in your fucking pipe and smoke it like like that is every line Harry gets here where like. He goes like, oh, I bet you're just trying to step into Sirius's shoes. And oh, the man who taught me how to fight Dementors is a coward. And like (laughs) Lupin can really only like stutter and stammer in response and like can't get a full thought out because of the way the argument's written. Which sucks because like I want him to have this argument with Harry because it is a juicy argument. Yeah. I feel for both characters here because, yeah, I, this this would piss Harry off. I'm sure, like, like that. W- I, I understand why this is setting Harry off here. I just want Lupin to be able to also get his argument in. Right, and and it's like I, even if Harry isn't just correct, epic West Wing style, I'm still 
going to be sympathetic to his position. Yeah. Because he is he's also right in his way. And I like to see him passionate about this thing, right? Like this idea that like his dad wanted to be with him, but his dad was murdered. And mm-hmm. now he's got Lupin in front of him, who was one of his father figures, which I think the text has maybe forgotten. <laughs> um saying that he's trying to leave his kid right mm-hmm. like that that is emotional for yeah. harry um and he has to reckon with that but i i just hate that lupin just folds like a house of cards because it makes him not feel like a real character yeah with like real feelings and emotions or stakes here yeah yeah exactly he 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 comes in he delivers some exposition and then he sort of gets like dunks on by harry and then leaves. And I'm like, this this is such a bummer because I I really like I you know, granted it might be just because I am starved of like any emotion in this book so far, really, other than like mild annoyance. But like <laughs> the um I I do really feel for both Harry and Lupin here. And and it frustrates me that this like potentially really like uh, important scene for both of them is treated this way in such as like such a one-sided like uh, uh, um, like opportunity for Harry to just like be cool to him you know like it, it, it it's a it's a it's a missed opportunity but I like I but I do agree that like in terms of like emotional stuff happening in this book so far it is this is the best raw ingredient we've gotten so far yeah um i i I also just think that this is another problem i have with jk rowling like personally i'm having a hard time not letting this stuff leak in because obviously (laughs) especially at the end here with this book it has a lot of feelings and um very strong moral judgments delivered by characters about parenthood which is a weird thing in like a YA novel i guess um but but like it's the story feels very immature to me that it can't have any kind of nuanced understanding of an adult character mm-hmm. um having having a kid and having regrets or bad feelings about it yeah instead the text delivers how that's evil (laughs) it it just it just feels like a very immature story yeah in a work that is so often um adult in content i guess yeah well because because the thing harry says which is like i think a good line but I think that it is, I think it reads more like childish than J.K. Rowling maybe imagined it did. Which is when Harry's like, Par- parents should never leave their children. Or, or whatever it is he says. What was, what's the exact line? Parents, said Harry, shouldn't leave their kids unless, unless they've got to. And, like, that's where I want Lupin to say, jump in and say, like, yes, I've got to. Here's why. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not abandoning my kid. I am, I am, like, taking an, I'm taking action to, like, try and save him, right? Like, I, I think that's so close to being a, 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 good, a good moment for 
like again like you mentioned like it's so weird that this book feels like it's forgotten that like lupin is kind of harry's father father figure like Mm -hmm. one of the closest things he's had to one and like for neither of them to neither of the characters nor for jk rowling herself to like recognize that is such a missed opportunity here because like this feels like a, a teachable moment for Harry to learn about different perspectives on stuff. He obviously would have a very raw emotional response to like the idea of like, quote unquote, leaving a child, meaning you're physically leaving the room or whatever. And mm-hmm. for Lupin to be like, no, I'm not leaving my kid. I'm like trying to help them. I, I want them to have that fight. Uh, and it's, it's, it's weird to just like, see it kind of dropped like that. Yeah. I, 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 I just can't shake the feeling that this argument was written for serious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, especially because Harry has to say like, oh, I fancy you're thinking yourself as serious right now. That's a really, which is a wild thing to say. <laughs> yeah, characters shouldn't have to like say that to each other. <laughs> the themes in the text should carry that kind of thing. Not <laughs> characters shouldn't have to say that out loud. And and like, I I don't know why J.K. Rowling has forgotten how to how to write Lupin's character because this is not him at all. Mm-hmm. And any any development that has happened for Lupin's character has happened entirely off screen. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know why why he turned into Sirius all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, the actual like storyline here, where Sirius like gets Tonks pregnant and then tries to go on an adventure, just like fits his character way more as a conflict. Like that just seems like a natural, like continuation of what Sirius was doing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it would have been good. Uh, <laughs> right. So don't hear that wrong. Um, but I just Sir- don't know why Sirius would absolutely be begging to tag along if he was alive. Right. And uh, that would have made sense because Harry could have been like, oh, you just want to have fun and avoid your responsibilities. And I probably would have been like, yeah, that that lines up right mm-hmm. with him. Is the, mm-hmm. you know he doesn't take stuff seriously. He, um, he, he definitely has that vibe of like the archetype of the soldier that keeps going back into battle because he doesn't know how to live. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and the tragedy of that. But that's not Lupin. <laughs> <laughs> Lupin's a professor. Yeah, he's just like a normal guy. He's a professor who just happens to be a werewolf who does Shakespeare in the park. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really weird change for him. Um, and I, I just, like, this this whole argument with, with Harry, just, like... It, there, it's there so is, close. There, it's so close. It's so close. I think, the, I think the, the part where it gets furthest away from getting there is the the end of the argument being there, there's something so there are a lot of unbelievable things in Harry Potter. It is a book about wizards, but I think (laughs) maybe the most unbelievable thing in this whole chapter is a 17 year old riling this 30 year old up so much that he like shoots him with a stun gun and flounces out of the room 
Like there, like that is so, that is such a silly way to end this scene to me. That's not uh, Lupin. Yeah, that's not Lupin. That might be again. That might be serious. That's serious. That's Snape, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- well, I mean, that red is Snape because I don't know why Harry calling an adult man a coward is like does critical damage every time. Like, because uh-huh. this is the same scene we had with Snape where Harry calls him a coward and he flips out, right? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, this is, they were, were, I think I think on on a much smaller scale than uh than the like all girls become mom thing. Mm-hmm. Um I think that this is maybe a window into like this 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 book and this author's gender politics which is that the wor- the worst thing that can happen to a man is to be called a coward by someone. That's Yeah. It, it's like every every everyone is a samurai in Harry Potter. <laughs> I like, mean, like if it were if it were really written like Lupin, I feel like he would just be disappointed and be like, like shake his head and le- and like walk yeah, out. Yeah, right? he'd just be like, yeah, you don't get it. Like, 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 okay, I can't, I can't deal with you when you're like this and, and leave. Yeah, it's, 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 it's entirely out of character, I think, for Lupin, for what we know of Lupin, um, for him to behave like this. I, 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 yeah, I. Yeah, again, this scene, so close. Some of the best ingredients so far, but not cooked all the way. Yeah. Um, I, I think I also am just, like, intensely frustrated because I don't know why this is a secret mission. Like, I just want <laughs> yeah. desperately, like, someone to go along with them and be part of it. And I have this, like... And I assume that the reason is because Dumbledore knows that Harry has to die to do the secret mission. And maybe if another adult finds out, like a Lupin or a... Mm -hmm. Who else is there? They find out that Harry has to sacrifice himself. They'll, like, try to intervene. They'll jump in front of the bullet or whatever. Yeah, so I guess that might be, like, the, the canonical reason, but... It ends up feeling a little frustrating. It's a bit flimsy for sure. Um, Shall we double back a bit and talk about like the world building that Lupin brings to the table before the fight? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sounds like it's rough out there. Yeah. This is another thing that I think is so close. Mm. Um, The for one, I I wish that we saw what this dystopia that was unfolding looked like f- firsthand. I think this is just another, like this is, this is another chapter where I was like, Ooh, this, this book could really benefit from having multiple POVs mm-hmm. because as cool as a lot of this stuff sounds, it's just not all that powerful coming, like being relayed to us after the fact by a minor character. Um, but like the stuff that's happening sound it sounds spooky, right? Like there's there's some there's some scary stuff and some uncomfortable parallels happening here that are like, huh, this is this is something. Yeah. I I have kind of mixed feelings about this stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't really know what to think about it. Mm-hmm. My strongest instinct, I guess, when I get introduced to what honestly is probably the most like, well, I can't even really say that. Um, I was going to say like a, a more fleshed out, like death eater ideology being introduced (laughs) here, but we honestly don't really even have the information 
to say that. Um, I just feel like the way that things have gone and the, and the things that have happened after the Ministry of Fallen sound interesting. I would like to hear more about it. I also feel like it might be a little late in the game to be introducing these ideas for the first time. Yeah, it, um, I think the one that strikes me as like the, the, the like most potent is the whole thing about like, oh, uh, uh, Muggleborns are being questioned on where they got their powers. Mm-hmm. And like, that is a very, very interesting piece of Death Eater ideology that has never, um, like been brought up before. Like, and like has never been floated as an idea of like, like, oh, they think that like muggles are steel are sapping their powers or whatever. I, I think I, I'm throwing my, my mind back here. I swear we might've talked about this even when we were in book four. Mm. Um, and, and we got to like the big death eater monologue scene with, yeah. with Voldemort. And we were like, like, I don't know what these characters like ideology is. I wish that they like had some sort of like thing to, to something about like a wizard aristocracy. Like, like why, why, what, what is the pure blood, half blood, uh, uh, and Muggleborn distinction that they mm-hmm. believe in. Um, and like the, the thing, the thing that, that happens here where, where like, uh, it says like, yeah, they're like asking people what their, um, they're like, uh, heritages and if they can pick out a wizard from their family tree and stuff it's like uh, that is interesting and scary and has some like real world parallels that are like very potent and like feel like things that she has been writing around for a long time but it is it is also very late in the game and also very funny if you think about uh, uh, this being after two days since uh, <laughs> since the yeah. wedding got attacked. Like, like boy, this all rolled out fast. Yeah, I guess that's the part where I'm like, I need more information. You know, mm-hmm. like, is this idea something that a lot of non-death eater witches and wizards believe like in the back of their head Mm -hmm. is this a long-held belief that has like recently lost popularity and is coming back Mm -hmm. is this something that like the the new minister announced on his first day and said (laughs) we we have finally figured out why muggleborns have magic and it's because they've been stealing it like Mm -hmm. there's no there's nothing to anchor this to. It mm-hmm. sounds scary, yeah. right? Like, like you said, it is a potent image, but that's all it is. Yeah. And we don't have any information about what anyone thinks about it. We have like, and and I guess that's what makes it feel really flimsy, right? Because yeah. every kind of instance that we've seen of like prejudice against Muggleborns early in the series is very different than how it's being presented here in like a way that is being enforced by the wizard government. Mm-hmm. So we just don't, we just don't have any information really. Yeah. I have like two main thoughts about it that I keep like going over that are like percolating in my brain. Uh huh. And it's that like, I, I, I'm starting to like build a theory because we, we, we've talked a lot about like how, 
how best to like approach politics in like a wizarding world story. Mm-hmm. And and I think what bothers me about this and what what I find disappointing about this is that I I feel like if you are using real world parallels like this, which are there are numerous in this chapter and they are very um clearly drawn from like real history stuff. But the problem is, is that, like, because they are so poorly fleshed out, the allusions to real life things are the most potent part of them. Mm-hmm. And so when I see, like, oh, uh, the, the Muggleborns are being rounded up and questioned about their family history. Right. I'm not thinking, damn, that's bad for Muggleborns. I'm thinking... Damn, that reminds me of people being rounded up before World War II broke out. Right. <laughs> and like and like ultimately that's boring because you're not writing a story then you're just like reminding me about Germany which is obviously like which is very bad. I've read some books about what happened in Germany before World War II broke out. That shit sucked. Uh I that <laughs> but like just making me f- making me think about real world things going damn that did suck like that's <laughs> right. that's that's like the that's like the most it can do yeah i mean this is like world history version of voldemort's backstory being a serial killer where it's like damn yeah i have watched true crime that was <laughs> fucked up yeah and this reminds me of that exactly. right yeah, and so and so like I'm not I like I'm certainly not saying that like stories shouldn't draw on real world history and politics for inspiration, but like you it needs to do you need to build on it. You need to like reach a you need to use that to build to a point about something, right? And it also needs to still work as a story in its own context because otherwise my main takeaway isn't going to be anything about your story. It's going to be, damn, I should read a book about history again, which is like, I don't know, like not, not, I would say like not, not the reaction you want to have to fiction is damn. I should go read some nonfiction. Damn. I Um, should read another book. (laughs) (laughs) And also the thing, um, the other thing that I am disappointed by here is how, um, just like, just like Crimes of Grindelwald, honestly, the, like, child's understanding of, like, <laughs> how, like, fascist coups roll out here is very funny <laughs> to me. Yeah. But especially because there, there, there's the part where, like, Ron's like, why, why doesn't Voldemort declare himself the minister? And Lupin <laughs> says, well, he doesn't have to because he's got, you know, everyone else under his control. And, like... That is a very interesting sentence, and I wish that that is actually the story that was being told, that it was like, oh, they're like a shadow cabal. But they're not that, because we are also being told that they're, like, kicking down doors and, like, uh, 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 dragging people off. So it's like, okay, so is is it the fascist party very loudly takes over? Like, is, is it the Germany thing? Or is it, um, is it the, like, shadow shadow aristocrats controlling everything angle? It can't be both. Uh, it, and, and so it, it feels muddled from that perspective, and it, and it makes me feel like maybe the, the world building just isn't there. 
And it really is just like alluding to bad history things for you to feel bad about. Like, especially funny, I think, is the line about like, oh, one of Voldemort's first actions is that he's made education compulsory, which is <laughs> which one is like, that's a really funny thing to like list, list on its own. It's like, oh, that's the bad thing. But also that's 100 percent just like J.K. Rowling saw a news news report about like how in North Korea they make you go to school and into this completely muddled mess. Uh, it's very stupid. Yeah. And, and I guess like that's when I say that I want more information it's, but I don't think there is any, right? Like, I, yeah. I don't think that there is much thought put into that. Cause like, again, like in, in the real world, a lot of the questions don't really matter, but when you're trying to tell a story and I'm thinking like, okay, well, the Death Eaters are, are pushing this like propaganda about Muggleborn stealing their magic. Well, is that, is that possible? Is that <laughs> something that people think like, go like, oh yeah, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. But but I don't I don't think there's like an answer, right? Because yeah. there's no, it's just it is like you say something that sounds scary because we're familiar with the idea mm-hmm. from real world examples. Yeah. Um, I mean, like ultimately, like, uh, it's just like an ink blot test. It's like yeah. it just it just throws every like scary dictatorship thing someone might have heard about on the news. Like, yeah. like, like the, the, the Death Eaters are whatever you want them to be. There's evidence that they are, like, jackbooted Nazis who, like, muscle their way in through electoral politics. Mm-hmm. They are, there's evidence in this chapter that they are, oh, they're the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. They're the shadow cabal that controls the government without actually being in the government. Um, there's evidence that, like, oh, they're, they're the, the communists I hear so much about being bad because they make, they make education free. Right, uh, and they make you and they make you go to it, and they'll probably teach you to to worship the 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 Voldemort guy. Right, like it's it's just like whatever whatever like political boogeyman you you have, Death Eaters cover it, and that's boring. Like like pick pick something, please. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to model your villain after something that you don't really understand. And I think that is is like the fundamental problem with it, right? Mm-hmm. Is that like all of these are just such surface level allusions to things that she heard. <laughs> you know, like that is that 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 is what really like hamstrings this. Is it's just it's 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 a bunch of surface level things that sound scary that aren't aren't like explored because it she clearly feels like that's enough um and like that's that's where it falls apart and that's and that's a bummer because like i think if i had to pick one i think the uh the the jackbooted death eaters are a lot more interesting and plausible Mm -hmm. um but like i i I, uh, too little too late right like like that that's quite a shift for what they were uh previously yeah i mean i think that there's like kind of a a way that you can sort of do it and and just have it be aesthetic i feel like star wars is the best example right that like Mm -hmm. really at the end of the day it boils down to um movies for kids where it's really about hate and anger and all and all Mm -hmm. of that which the death eaters have that going on too right voldemort's got that going on he is incapable of love or or whatever 
whatever that is. Um, yeah, yeah. But this one, just, it, it just goes too far in the direction of saying a little bit of what their ideology is. Mm-hmm. So you can't really boil it down to that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 you know, they are the every villain, but they can't also can't be that because you get like a little flavor of like, oh, they're they're the illuminati and they're also fascists and they're also big mean communists and so it's like i i i desperate for the story to pick a side um it it also just makes their actions really confusing the story about how they're like their police the police are the death eaters now right how they weren't before uh, but they are now um and they're going to the borough and searching it and asking where harry is but then they yeah. just leave. <laughs> and I'm like, Spattergroit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, and, and like, I, I, and I think like, all obviously where it really falls apart. And I think is, is, is probably like the more either like unintended, but like subconscious truth of the story, or is just like the intended story here is that like, we know that this story ends with like the ministry being restored and like the good politicians getting put in. Ah, yeah. And so it really positions it like it is quite literally a story where like the, the, the good ministry is right in the center and the death eaters are somehow the far right and the far left in like the scary things they do. Huh? Interesting. Uh, there's, Weird, there's, huh? there's a very funny detail in here that I forgot, um, mm. as, as the ministry falling is described. And it's like a little bit of rehab for, um, for, uh, Mr. Mr. What's it, uh, fudge replacement, scrim, scrim, girl. Oh, scrim, scrim, Jim. Scrim yeah. Jim. Yeah. He, he got his redemption here, which is an odd detail, I think. Um, yeah. he, he, yeah. it's like, we, we've kind of like, he has existed to show up and just get dunked on every time. Right. <laughs> He's a very, like, I don't know, like dignified conservative style leader yes. is the idea that I think I'm yeah. getting, but, but really the conclusion of his story is, is that he gets, um, tortured and killed, um, by, by Voldemort or by a Death Eater or something for information about Harry. And Harry has to take this moment to be like, you know, I didn't agree with him, <laughs> but, but uh, he, he didn't, he didn't give me away. Like he, he was one of the good ones, right? He's on, he's on the side of dignity and civilization. Yeah. Yep. So I thought that was a, I mean, cause that just didn't have to be there, right? Like what a, <laughs> what a like juicy little tidbit that doesn't matter at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's so funny how, how either, either consciously or unconsciously, it really just like positions like, Oh, the, the, the sane center mm-hmm. as the, as the, like the, the, the true ideal. I mean, this is prime, like, you know, like, you, you hate Donald Trump because he, you know, even other Republicans, like even George W. This Bush is, wouldn't have done, like he wouldn't have this, done yeah, this. Yeah, Lincoln Project ass book. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, 
Yeah, it's a bummer because like I like everything gestured to I think would be like an interesting path to take for a story, but like there's not enough time for them for the book to do that because it's introducing it a third of the way through the last book in the series, and so it's like we just get a I guess we just get like a greatest hits of like things J.K. Rowling doesn't like, uh, and and that's that's the extent of it. Yep. All right. We've got to talk about a very blessed moment in this chapter. Mm, finally. It's time. It's time. We're saving the best for last. Tell me all about Creature's big moment. Creature's here, and he brought Mendegas Fletcher. Sure did. Um, this scene exists to deliver a plot to us, right? Like, the function <laughs> of this is that Mendegas gets to deliver the information um, that, that Umbridge has the, has the Horcrux locket. Yeah, I did not expect to find my I you know, we've got what three quarters of a book left until this mm-hmm. is all over. Um, <laughs> this chapter has my favorite sentence in it. I'm just willing to call it now. This is just like by far if I Your have to pick like one sentence that is my very favorite in all of the Harry Potter books. And this is it. Um, <laughs> so Mendungus is like uh, kind of I mean, he's just like you know, kind of like a sleazy guy and he's trying to like talk his way out of this whole thing. And, um, he's doing the kind of comedy routine of like, they just need to find out where the locket is. And he's just confessing to all of the other, like various (laughs) petty crimes that he's done. Um, Uh and he keeps like cutting Harry off and like, won't hear what it is. And then this is my favorite sentence in the whole series. There was a sound of pattering feet, a blaze of shining copper, an echoing clang, and a shriek of agony. Creature had taken a run at Mundungus and hit him over the head with a saucepan. <laughs> oh, I love Creature. I love Creature, too. It, that just love, gives me so much joy. I love when the house elves just get to be funny little guys. He should just be a funny little guy. It's, it's so sad, because just like the... The tension at the beginning of the chapter, this moment would be so much better if Creature was just a funny little guy who was free. Yeah. But, like, there's 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 the other great line here where, like, like you know, he, he rears the pan back up to smack Mundungus again. Uh, and Harry, like, tells him not to. And he says, oh, what about one, you know, what just just one more for luck. And I'm like, this, yeah, I like his banter. <laughs> That's a funny little guy. Um, but it it. It really, you, you can't wash the, the bad taste out of your mouth knowing that the, 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 the this is still a story about Harry being a nice slave owner. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's too bad. There really is some actual emotional payoff here, right? Absolutely, like, it's yeah. It's definitely going through the motions of a better story where, yeah. you, you know, like this is the best we've, we've seen creature, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it is that emotional payoff of like, he is, he is renewed. He's taking action for himself. He's more lucid than we've ever seen him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like standing up straight. He's like bowing smartly instead of like, you know, a very, um, like just like kind the sarcastic of... bows is I think that's how they're described before. Yeah. So like as a, as a reader, there is that story payoff that just feels good. And you're just like, mm-hmm. haha, that's great. He's a funny little guy. Now he's our friend now. Um, yeah. But, but what a shadow to cast over that, that the, yeah. the real, 
the real like t- the facts of the story are that, that the reason we're having this emotional payoff is because like, yes, he should be a slave, but people should be nice to him. Like I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't even believe it. Like it's so, it is so wild um, that that's the direction it went in. And I think like, it still, it still would have sucked. Um, like, overall, that she felt the need to write this into the book, this, like, weird <laughs> slavery story. But you're so right. Like, if that had to be in there, then he should have just been freed and they should have just been working together. And it's, like, creatures on their side now. And it would have fulfilled that emotional payoff. Yeah. I want to take it further. I want to say that they never should have been slaves in the first Abs- place. Yes. And have been, like, funny little guys the whole time. I think there's a really, like primordial sweet story in there that honestly fits the theme of Voldemort underestimating them and Harry needing to learn not to underestimate them. If they were just like coexisting spirits with wizards, right? Like I I think that early on when we um, started reading about the hell selves, um, I read like a folklore story that some people have said, or maybe JK Rowling confirmed was like the inspiration for the house elves, which were like Mm -hmm. these, I can't remember what they were called, like folklore creatures that would show up um, and, and like help you with your housework. But if you disrespected them, they'd leave. Um, And I, I kind of like, like, that inspiration for them, like these, like, like little, I mean, that's just like, really like basic folklore idea um, but that they are underestimated or or not thought of and then to have this moment where it's like Harry recognizes them and yeah. and they get like our funny little guys I'm, I'm sure that like that there's like that comes with its own complex ideas and and themes that would definitely like hitch along with that story. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that it wouldn't have baggage, but yeah. what a bizarre way for this story to make to go. it like explicitly that they are slaves and they like it and they should and be. they like it. You should just be nice to them and that Harry is a slave owner, right? Crazy stuff. Yeah, like like it, like there there there's like. Yeah, there, there's like, you know, there, there's folklore that comes with baggage that you sort of have to unpack and, and you know, look at critically. And then there is literally just saying, yeah, they're slaves. <laughs> like, like not even not even leaving any room for debate or like, you know, critical interpretation of that. Just like, oh, yeah, no, Harry's a slave owner. Harry owns a owns a life. Like, really weird. Yeah, but it's good, though. Like, it doesn't even have like I was thinking about this, like, like with, um. I, I was thinking about this. We were talking when we when we discussed this last week. We were like, you know, how many other stories have like 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 how Jackie Rowling wrote herself into a corner because it's like how many other stories just like have willing slaves in them that aren't like gore or like other like <laughs> yeah like porn porno stuff right? right and it's like uh someone on on Twitter was like oh. Uh, uh, you know, robots and sci-fi, mm. and then followed up in that, but uh, and realized which was was like the answer I was about to give to that, which was, oh wait, but like normally when robots, uh, um, uh, are are explicitly slaves in stories, they also those are also stories about them realizing that and rising up, right? Mm-hmm. That's usually why that's there. And then I thought about it some more, and I was like, oh, but there is one 
Mm. There is one sci-fi story I can think of where the robots are slaves and, and, and like it and no one ever says anything about it, and that's Star Wars. Yeah. But Star Wars also kind of skirts around this because nowhere ever in Star Wars until the recent shitty Solo movie mm. do they, like, address it explicitly. Right. Like, it's there in the background and it's, like, it's a valid critical read and it's been like the it's also been like i think the like premise of some good and well-regarded like expanded universe stories right mm -hmm. because you know right people who are writing star wars stories realize this and then like well, they will write a story like huh why is it that like star wars is just a story where slavery exists because these robots are sentient right um but like harry potter did the disastrous thing that solo did mm. and like turned it into a funny joke, like to turn slavery into like a funny joke to make epic haha -ha action sequences about, uh, from day one. Right. And, like solo is like a fuck up in a, in a, in a, and like it's, and it's not, again, it's not to say that like star Wars doesn't deserve the critical eye on how, how the droids are portrayed. To, you know, in the other films, but Solo absolutely takes things a <laughs> step way too far with it, right? And yeah. like, like ruins, like, like, like ruins its own, um, I would say like tenuous deniability, right? By just making it explicit. Whereas Harry Potter just did, like, just right in book two was like, yeah, they're slaves. And then book six is like, and now Harry owns one. What of it? And it's like, well, I don't know. I, I hate it. I think it's fucking weird. I don't know why you did this. It was unnecessary. It, it did nothing but cause trouble. Um, and it made me think about Solo, which is a movie I hated watching. So just yeah, all around, yeah, it gets all a, around bad. It gets a little in the weeds when you have, when you have a character in the text say, wait, this is wrong. You know? Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have and then you have to address it. You have to address well, is it? And the answer yeah. in Harry Potter is no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the I guess it, you know what? I will I will give solo credit here for as badly as it biffs things by making droid slavery explicit. At least the conclusion it draws in that movie is that it's bad and that they should fight it. <laughs> so Solo is even one step, is even one rung up the ladder from Harry Potter, which is, uh, 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 you know, acknowledges that they invented a bunch of robots that love being slaves, but now they realize that and are fighting it. Whereas Harry Potter is, uh, we invented a a race of elves that like being slaves, and uh, the worst thing you can say about it is. Um, Hermione says that like we we shouldn't have slaves because we'll pay for it. We we we'll be suffering for it. The slave owners. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really think about the robot angle. I think that's an interesting thing. I yeah. have to think about that more. Yeah. Yeah. It was just it was a very interesting thought, and like I I I I came to the same conclusion um, uh, that the listener came to, which is that like. Usually when that pops up in sci-fi, it's to explicitly tell a story about that. Um, right. Whereas in Harry Potter, 
it's not. They're funny little guys. <laughs> they are, um, yeah, yeah, they are funny little guys. It's, uh, it's complicated. Well, it's not complicated. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a very uncomplicated thing. Slavery is bad and, uh, you shouldn't, I, I think that the thought experiment of what if, what if a funny little guy enjoyed being a slave is, uh, stupid and I resent the question. Um, however, I will say that the corner that JK Rowling painted herself into is complicated, <laughs> And unnecessary. <laughs> it's really f- kind of funny. It is a yeah, funny it's corner impressive. to back yourself into. Yeah, um, it's a wild position to get yourself into. Pretty, pretty grim um, overall, I think. In in zooming out and just looking at <laughs> at her and what people like her believe, and it's 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 a bummer. But um, what a funny manifestation of it in this book. Yeah, exactly. We didn't talk about the uh, extract from uh, Rita Skeeter's book at all. Oh, God, yeah. Speaking of racism. <laughs> uh-huh. I, yeah, we would be remiss to not talk about that part, at least. Uh, yeah. I, I, think, I think we can save the, like, rest of the Kendra and, like, Percival discussion for another chapter because we're going to Godric's Hollow next. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that, that that stuff will be important there. Um, but... This passage about Kendra Dumbledore is so you say you, you know we we found the best sentence in the series yeah this chapter I th- I would posit that we also get the worst sentence in this ch- in this chapter sure the mother Kendra had jet black hair pulled into a high bun her face had a carved quality about it. Harry thought of photos of Native Americans he'd seen as he studied her dark eyes, high cheekbones, and straight nose, formally composed above a high-necked silk gown. What the fuck? Harry, that's weird. Harry, that's really weird. For one thing, I mean, like, it's so transparent, right? Because it's like, like one, where would Harry have looked at photos of native americans we i mean like unless hogwarts has like a world history class i think that we this don't... might be the only uh, i can't i don't know what else it would be from so i think this might be our only reference to harry going to muggle school from like grades like one to five see like that's possible but i can tell you from experience i we did not get into world history when i was in school in england mm. so i just this to me just really smacks of racism. Just like, oh, I, this character has high cheekbones. How do I describe it? Oh, like a Native American. Like it just that that's that's the vibe I get from this. Is it's just it's just, it's just like plain and simple, shitty equivocation. It's weird, right? It's super fucking weird. What a what a bizarre thing to put in the mouth of, or I guess like the internal monologue the of Harry Potter, yeah. right? Like yeah. It's funny when he gets, uh, like, aside from this very eyebrow-raising description that Harry thinks, it's funny when we get something that he is saying to us that he's thinking, but it's purely to put a picture in our head and not really, <laughs> yeah. and not really to say anything about him or, or his experiences or yeah. how he views the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very roundabout. 
Mm-hmm. Like, even if this wasn't an offensive description, it would still be a funny line. Like, like if, if it was something other than, than this, it, it would still just be like, it's very awkward to have your characters think something for your sake that transparently. Right. Like, oh, Harry thought of a motorcycle he'd seen or something, <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's very goofy. Which is, it's very funny here. I mean, especially just because the line itself, because of its content, just, like, sticks out like a sore thumb, right? Yeah. Um, I... I mean, I don't care what Kendra Dumbledore looks like in these terms, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I cannot think of something I, I could care less about in this story. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I, I was, my eyeball, I, 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 eyeballs bugged out of my head at that one. Just like, really just feels like J.K. Rowling was reaching for a way to describe high cheekbones and like landed on the most offensive thing possible. How about saying she has high cheekbones? I, I don't. Yeah, I just, don't get yeah, it. Just, what, what, what does that description bring? Because again, the, like, I don't think that this is saying that she's Native American. No, it's I, I no, I don't think it does. If well, I, that's how I read it at first. That was really honest, interesting. I'm like, yeah, um, like what a what a um like you you don't put that detail in there accidentally. Yeah, but, no, I, I, just, but I guess I, you do. <laughs> but like like if you just said like oh she had high cheekbones a tight tight bun okay cool pictures in my head of this character well why i yeah just really really weird to me mm-hmm. i i i i think just like I, I and granted i'm like i'm like extra prone to like think this is shitty just because like this is not many years before she like wrote all of the stuff about the Native American wizarding school. I always forget about that. Yeah, it just, right. It, the thing is, it's like it's so it it's so boring. Like the, the actual like lore <laughs> she wrote is so in yeah. one ear out the other for me that I just never remember that that happened, and it it sucks real bad. Yeah, yeah no, the the whole thing about how like well Native American magic was fake, but mine's real. <laughs> like okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, what a, what a bizarre, shocking line. I, uh, I don't really know what to make of it, but it's not good. Um, I feel like, God, where is the part where he, oh, I did laugh a little bit, um, when, like, right before Harry noticed that in the weirdest way possible. It is the very classic Harry observation where he notices how handsome and good looking Percival (laughs) was. And then immediately is like, and his wife had, had hair. (laughs) Dumbledore's father, Percival was a good looking man. The mother, Kendra had jet black hair pulled into a high bun. Harry. Oh my God. Hey, Dumbledore, your dad. Kind of look. He was kind of smoking. Okay. <laughs> just what a weird sure. thing. <laughs> what a weird thing for him to think. <laughs> oh, and your mom had hair. I guess and your mom also had hair. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <sighs> Fuck. Yeah. So I, I think that probably covers everything for this chapter. Was there was there a most highlighted line this week? Um. No. I, I wow. don't think so. There aren't very many of them. I guess 
most of the ones I've noticed are people highlighting uh, profound things that Dumbledore says. Uh Uh, And he's dead, so there haven't been very many of those. I gotta say, I'm pretty upset with my enhanced edition. Um, I feel like there was a golden opportunity for an illustration of Creature hitting Mundungus with a frying pan. Oh, yeah. Not there. Doesn't, uh, Doesn't exist. Uh, so I feel betrayed by that, honestly. Where, where I love that moment so much. It's really good. Like, God, if, if, if the story was better, that would be such a, like, shining moment. I mean, like, it, and it is a shining moment for what it's worth, but like, just God, I wish, God, I wish the house elves weren't slaves. Just, 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 just let them be, let them be. I think Harry Potter is good when it's a cartoon. And that is yeah. like, a, like a prime cartoon moment for Creature. Yeah, bonks the guy on the head with a frying pan. It's really Classic. funny. Classic slapstick. I love it. It's, <laughs> it comes out in a, the, the, like the, the description's really good. The like, oh, the, the, the swift patter of feet. Uh, and then the, the golden flash of the, of the, Pan- yeah, oh yeah, it's good. It's a good moment. It's I can, really funny. I can so clearly picture it in my head. Yeah, and it has a lot of smear frames uh-huh. and some bir- and some birds start flying around Mundungus's head afterwards. It's really great. It's um, really good. I don't have um, much to say about what happens in this chapter to wrap up, but I do just like I am now on Hermione and Ron watch. Only mm. in that these are the two characters that Harry gets to bring along on the quest. And I just <laughs> want to know if they ever get to really do anything other than deliver information. Like, really, yeah. th- like, Hermione, like, squeals at pregnancy news and then scolds, Her- wails at Harry when, when <laughs> yes. Lupin gets sent away. She physically stands in between Ron and Harry to, like, stop them from fighting, too. And she says, no, we mustn't fight. Like, she's just, yeah, she's just. I know this is like such. become normal. Yeah, I just, I know this is like really basic, like storytelling crit stuff that is like, honestly, like kind of boring. But like, (laughs) I'm like, Ron and Hermione, like, what are their motivations? What do they want? Yeah. Who, like, what, why are they there? (laughs) Yeah. We got that really good moment at the end of book six where they were like, we're going, we've always been like there for you, Harry. And like, that's good. That's a good way to end book six out of seven. But once you're in book seven out of seven, I need a little more juice in the tank than that. Yeah. And, and also I, I want to see them take actions, which Mm -hmm. is different from delivering exposition, right? Like I, I think that like Hermione is always said to have like epic moments in <laughs> in the later books, and and it yeah. is like I, I know it's tongue in cheek, right? The idea that like oh Harry would have died or not figured it out if Hermione wasn't there, yeah. But but the idea of Hermione just knowing something or going off screen to read something in a book and then delivering mm-hmm. the information to Harry so that he can take action on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just saying, I am looking for Hermione to take an action. That's that is my current yeah. my my Hermione watch. For yeah, Ginny Ginny watch is now retired because she's just not in the fucking book anymore. Yeah, she didn't get to come along. So yeah, Hermione watch it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we should uh, take a little break now. What do you say? Sounds good. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We have been reading these delightful book seven ending predictions for a while now. Mm-hmm. I'm having a lot of fun with them. I uh, was logging on to the website that they are found on, uh, Beyond Hogwarts, Yeah. the other day to, to kind of poke around and see what some good endings were. Um, and I found an article in their book seven section that... I'm just going to read to you because it's mm. very, very funny mm-hmm. and comes comes from a different time and I suspect perhaps a different age group. If this is another Chuck Norris joke, I'm going to No, flip. no. Blessed. Well, this will be the second time I flipped in, in this episode. <laughs> no, no Chuck Norris in this hmm. or or Rick Roll or anything like that. All right. This is called The Troubling Timing of Book Seven. The official release date of the final Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, was announced yesterday. The book will be available at midnight in English-speaking countries all over the world on July 21st, 2007. This date is troubling to me for several reasons. We were hoping that book 7 could be released on July 7th, which would have been 7707. That's only... That's only two weeks earlier than the release date announced yesterday. Could two weeks mean that much in the span of five months left to go before the book has to be on shelves? Couldn't someone have worked overtime a few days to make the 777 date work? But the disappointment that we have apparently missed getting book 7 on 777 is not the main reason I am troubled by the announcement of the book's release date. The Fly in the Potion is the fifth Harry Potter movie Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. The movie is scheduled to open in movie theaters on Friday, July 13th. A movie premiere cannot be rescheduled. All the theaters have been booked. Someone, presumably the movie company, did not want the movie opening and the book release to be on the same weekend. So this means the book could have been scheduled to come out the week before or the week after. Why did they pass up the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to release the book on 777 to allow the movie to come out first, pushing the book's date to the following weekend instead? I can only think of one reason, and it doesn't make me happy. From the standpoint of the movie company, the release of the last book on the week previous to the release of the movie could have been great publicity for the movie, and a great lead-in of excitement for the movie the following week. The only reason I can think of that the movie company would not want the book to come out first is if they felt the book would not offer it a positive pre-publicity buzz what has me worried today is the movie company could only think that would be the case if book seven has a very unhappy ending which would turn people off from wanting to see any harry potter movie afterwards (laughs) does the movie company know something we don't know wouldn't they make this decision on a guess a guess that if wrong means they squandered inestimable free publicity for the movie Or is the timing of the final Harry Potter book in relation to the release date of the fifth Harry Potter movie a major clue which tells us that the Deathly Hallows will have a very unhappy ending? And for the movie company to think fans would be upset enough by the book not to want it to see a movie, does that unhappy ending include the death of Harry Potter? It looks to me as if it does. For a long time now, I have been hoping that Harry does not die in the final book. But as we get closer and closer to the release date, especially because of things J.K. Rowling has said and the way she reacted to our reaction to Dumbledore's death, I'm starting to think less and less that Harry gets to live happily ever after. And now the timing of the last book in relation and the last to the last movie seems to be just one final nail in Harry's coffin. Um, first thing. Yeah. How did 
she react to our reaction about Dumbledore's death? I don't know. I'm, I don't, not I'm really... very curious what that's referring to. There was that interview that we were sort of in the process of reading before things, everything went sideways where she was talking about like, she was like kind of smirking a little bit about the idea of the fan. Cause this was before the book was out for everyone. Right. And she was definitely seemed like she knew that people would be upset, but I, I don't know if there were any, uh, really like outlandish statements from her about the reaction to book to, to book six. Yeah. I'm just like, is there like an offhand comment where she's like, tough it up. Like she's, he's dead. Get over it. Um, yeah. It's just an odd, odd thing. Um, to the meat of this post, I agree and disagree with this person. Mm-hmm. Cause obviously they're reading way too much into this. <laughs> um, yeah. And obviously I don't want anyone uh, working overtime to, um, you know, Make a to get the state. get the book out faster, but I also think these things are planned way in advance, and I think they could have released it on seven seven two thousand seven without people doing overtime, and absolutely they should have. I agree. <laughs> it would have been cool. It, it, I, I guess it would have been one of those iconic. I'm trying to think of has there ever been an iconic release date? Oh, Skyrim. Skyrim was eleven eleven eleven. So cool. it, it would join the auspicious hallowed halls mm-hmm. uh, of, of Skyrim. And I can't think of any other ones. If it had come I'm out sure on there's seven, more. Seven. I'm, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> that's been done more than once. But but yes, uh, that that's that's the one connection I can make is Skyrim. I do think that um, it was smart of them to release the movie before the book. I, I think that yeah. that's like, like regardless of the ending of the book, mm-hmm. I think it, way, it makes way more sense to have... Um, a known book movie that's just going to do well, be an advertisement and to hype people up for the book. I don't think it works the other way around as, as much. I, I, I think that for as funny as this post is, they're onto something correct, which is that they probably did not want the book to come out before the movie. You don't yeah. want the ending of the whole thing to come out before the movie's coming out. No, right? no. Um, this is like, I, I think that, I think they're like, there's a nugget of truth in here, but yeah. it's very funny that they spun this into this conspiracy theory about like, this must mean Harry dies. Yeah. They're taking it a little bit extreme, uh, but I do, <laughs> I do appreciate the, uh, the thought here. And yes, they should have done the schedule differently and had it come out on seven, seven Oh seven. Agree. All right. We are going to dive back into the endings to find a couple of fun ones. I am going to fulfill a request that you had last week. Thank you. We are going to have Control F Snape up this whole time. Uh, wonderful. And I'm going to be I'm going to look for Snape endings. Great. I got a really good one here for you first. Awesome. Go, Harry yelled to all the Hogwarts <laughs> students. They rushed out all they rushed out at the Death Eaters, spells flying left and right. Harry head up the attack, going after Voldemort. Stupefy, he screamed, making Voldemort unable to move for a minute, but he took advantage of that minute. He rushed up and put his wand to Voldemort's throat. Do it, Voldemort hissed. Kill me. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a palpatine thing going on. Do it. <laughs> Where are the other horcruxes? Harry demanded, teeth gritted. Voldemort laughed without a reply. Where are they? Harry yelled in his face just before he discovered there was only one thing he could do to find out where the last Horcrux was. With spells flying above his head from Death Eater to student, from student to Death Eater, he yelled the unforgivable curse of death. He's not going to tell him now. Damn it. 
That's the as worst Vol- thing he could have done. As Voldemort lie in the dirt, still and lifeless, <laughs> uh-huh. the fighting ceased. The night filled with voices. Is he dead? He can't be. I knew it would happen. Harry Potter killed the Dark Lord. Then one sudden voice boomed beside him. Get off my lord. (laughs) (laughs) The person pushed Harry and he froze as he saw Dumbledore kneel by Voldemort's side. Oh. What have you done? Dumbledore wept. My lord. Professor, what? He can't be your lord. You're dead. I'm not dead, you fool. Snape tried, but he couldn't kill me. Oh, shit. I'm the second strongest wizard alive. And then the reality hit him. Dumbledore was Voldemort's double spy, not Snape. (laughs) Oh, shit. He was the one that let everything happen. It was Dumbledore. Harry turned his wand to Dumbledore, and they stood. Harry, Dumbledore started. You were like a son to me. I didn't want to get attacked. You were supposed to let me stop drinking in the cave. I I could have gone back to my lord. You ruined me and now he's dead. Avada Kedavra, Harry screamed at Dumbledore. And then Dumbledore's body was as dead as Voldemort's. But what about the Horcrux? Harry wondered, his forehead stinging madly. Where is the last Horcrux? And then he saw a mist flow in front of his eyes from his head. (laughs) yes a ghastly smell a horrible sense and the mist flowed back through voldemort and he stood horrified at his right hand man's body and his only (laughs) life left avada harry panted cadavra (laughs) so he just shoots him again he's spawn camping voldemort this rules And Voldemort's body fell for a last, dead, broken time, leaving (laughs) Harry to look around at the other bodies on the scene. Death Death Eaters and Hogwarts students alike were dead. They had fought for their side of the battle, and Hogwarts won. Uh Harry walked towards the castle. Hearing the Death Eaters flee, the students too stunned by everything to move. Soon Ron and Hermione were by his side. Harry accepted Ron's hug and Hermione's after falling to the floor on his knees. Where's Snape? Harry sobbed, realizing how exhausted he was. I'm here, Potter. Severus Snape's cool voice echoed from across the hall. I'm crying actual tears. Severus Snape's cool voice echoed from across the hall. Harry looked up as Snape walked towards him. Harry struggled to stand, but once he did, he ran to Snape, falling into his fatherly arms. Snape Ah! held onto him like life itself. (laughs) Neither of them ever found out what the other had been through, but they knew they were not enemies. To Snape, Harry was a son, and to Harry, Snape was the father he'd looked so hard for. James was not his father anymore. Sirius was not. Mr. Weasley was not. Dumbledore certainly was not. Soon Hermione hugged Ron, feeling a need to embrace someone. He took her openly. Soon she would be his family as well. And soon Harry would be Snape's. Hermione would become Ron's wife. And Harry would become Snape's son. I think that might be the best one we've ever read. Yeah, I think that one stands on its own. Wow. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
I, I really like that this um, author picked up on the finding a father figure theme that J.K. Rowling did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can't even... <laughs> I, I, I have nothing to say. That's perfect. That's so beautiful. I'm printing that out and inserting it into the end of my book. <laughs> Snape's cool voice. That's right. <laughs> that ruled. Oh my god. Thank you to the writer of that. Absolutely fucking incredible. That is a perfect, perfect piece of fiction. That's the ending. That's the ending. That, that's, that's the, the real ending. ending. <laughs> that's the real ending to me. That that is so much better than the canon ending. Of, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, like you said, like at the beginning, like I feel like I got like totally derailed by the Snape ending there, but also mm-hmm. the mechanics of the fight, the Dumbledore. Double cross? In- yeah. Incredible perfection. That is just, like, ultimate. That's so good. And the, like, Horcrux just <laughs> flying into Voldemort's body so Harry has to shoot him again. <laughs> that is, like, the, the greatest ending of, like, a supernatural action movie of all time. Oh, it's so fucking good. A plus. I love that. I... Yeah, I'm I, like I'm honestly I'm looking at, I'm looking through here and I'm like can we even read another? <laughs> that is I don't know. I I am in actual awe of that that ending. I I knew see here's the thing. That was a total crapshoot because you know how I said that I would have um Snape Control F Snape. Up. Right. I chose that one because it just had uh, Snape like a million times in it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't read it ahead of time. Up. I was just like, well, this has a lot of Snape in it. So. Oh it, it, yeah, it did. Oh my god, I could not have ever guessed how much, <laughs> how much Snape it had in it. That's my ending. That is my Harry Potter ending now. That yeah, that's the end. That's the real ending. Book seven is fake. That is the real ending. Fucking hell. Oh my god. <sighs> this is this is really hard because it's like if you read like the greatest novel ever written. Yeah. And then you try to like read just something, you know, for fun. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like <laughs> how do you I, how do you yeah, move I've, on? I'm really unsure on how I've I've like I've like shot my own segment in the foot here. <laughs> what do I do? Where do I go from here? <laughs> um, I probably talked about this like really early on. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that there is a very like very or was I guess um a very large community of of people writing fanfic about. Uh, Snape adopting Harry. Mm-hmm. So I have to assume that that's just one of those authors, right? Like that person has yeah. spent, you know, time in like reading all of all of those fanfics. Yeah. And that's where that influence came from. 
Yeah, I love seeing things like that where you can, like, like this is uh, uh, why I enjoyed a lot of like the Raylo posting around the last Star Wars movie coming out. Mm-hmm. It's always fun to see like fandom stuff try and align itself to where a story ended up, or tr- like like try and and, and 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 like hope that their version of the story is the one that they get right. Yeah, it ends up being like a funny like reverse engineering of the canon story mm-hmm. uh, to get where you want it to go. Yeah. I have kind of like like good and bad news here too. Hmm. That was actually the last page of these endings. Oh, wow. So we we did get the best for last here. I don't, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's really no continuing after that either way. So it's like so... Good that that was the end, I think. I'm going to treasure this. I'm going to send you the text of this so you can always... <laughs> I'm going to print it out and put it on my wall. Yeah, this should be framed. This is this is the Shrieking Shack Manifesto. This is the ending. This mm-hmm. is the ending of Harry Potter. This is the true ending. Voldemort, Voldemort gets Spawn killed and, and Harry, <laughs> Harry becomes Snape's son. Holy fucking shit. I just love how matter of fact it is. Like, I can see the influence of the, like, Snape Harry, um, like, father-son relationship fan fiction in there. But it's mm-hmm. like you go in with that premise that you're so used to and you've read so many fan fictions of, like, presumably. And then you just write it in there, matter of fact, as if it needs no explanation. Yeah. And it doesn't. It, it stands on its own. It's it doesn't. so perfect. I love the... The way that it reasons it out at the end, too, it's soon she would be his family and Harry would be Snape's. Hermione became Ron's wife and <laughs> Harry became Snape's son. I... <laughs> that is the world's best sentence. Please. Do you think they had a version of this before? Because this is clearly this was posted after it turned out that uh, Scar was not the last word. Uh-huh. Do you think they had a version of this ready to go where Scar was the last word? And then they were like, fuck yes, I can now end it on the much more important note. Hermione became Ron's wife and Harry became Snape's son. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm not, I can't, I can't decide if I think this was like, it's such a perfect, like, piece that it was like, you know, toiled over for quite yeah. some time. Yeah. Or if it was just like divine inspiration done in five minutes, right? I mean, this is my sacred text. Yeah. (laughs) I love the the Snape stuff aside. I love that the Dumbledore stuff also pulls in the father figure thing, but it's it's Dumbledore wanting a son, which I don't think I don't think he's ever alluded to ever in the story. But no. But it's, but uh, of course, it's, it's, it's the only answer. But I love, I love this vague idea that Dumbledore was evil. And I guess, I'm not quite sure in this ending what the mechanics of everything Dumbledore. We're only reading the ending. So we're only reading the ending. We can't, we don't get their full book seven here. But, uh, but Dumbledore was evil the whole time, but liked Harry enough not to kill him until Harry killed Voldemort. Right. Who is his lord? Yeah. Yep. I 
I, this it has so much going on. Like I, it's it's like sounds absurd, but I'm like, wow, it really does. Like, there's payoff for um, the book is my dad, and there's payoff for Evil Dumbledore. This I feel like this ending was written for us. Yeah, yeah, and we got a lot of Snape content out of it too, which we've been mm-hmm. desperate for. Right. I. Yeah, like you say, this is a sacred text. I'm pouring over it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm noticing new stuff. I love the description of uh, Voldemort lying in the dirt. Voldemort, oh, Voldemort's yeah. getting rocked a lot in these endings. I've noticed. Yeah, he's well, that's uh, a pretty raw line, you know. Yeah, just fucking dead in the dirt. He's dead in the dirt. There he is. There's Voldemort dead in the dirt, my lord. <laughs> <laughs> I love, too, that Harry just murders... Well, I guess it's two people, but he uses the killing curse three times here. He's ready to go. Yeah. He blasts Voldemort. Then he blasts Dumbledore. And then he blasts Voldemort again immediately as he stands back up. He's... he's Harry's fucking strapped. He's ready to, he's ready to go here, which is, I guess, good for him. This Harry would not argue with Lupin pointlessly no. about whether or not it's okay to headshot Death Eaters when they're chasing you. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he was so ready, like, Dumbledore, it's like, oh, Dumbledore, my my mentor and father figure is alive. But it's like, as soon as Dumbledore's like, no, I'm evil, Harry Harry's ready to shoot him all the same. I'm going to quote search pieces of this. Oh, it's only it's only on Beyond Hogwarts. I was really hoping that maybe this was like part of a longer fic that mm-hmm. got posted somewhere. But it's really I'm leaning towards divine inspiration here. Yeah. Because they just wrote it in the comments section of a blog. Right. So I think that this is just a beautiful, divinely inspired gift. That's that's really wonderful. Oh I needed this. Yeah. That was that after after kind of going through some cursed ones last time. Mm-hmm. That was the ending I needed. That was powerful. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think I don't think we have anywhere to go from here. Should we Should we take it to the close? I can't. Yeah. There's no more no more endings that we can <laughs> can read that would top that one. I, I think I think we're good. All right. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, voting us use that as our theme song. You can find them on Bandcamp, and you can find us at patreon.com slash streetcast. For $290, you can join us and Travis McElroy for a Zoom call where we will lead you through a spiritual exploration of the paths (laughs) of meaning and applying dynamic solutions to synergies that will improve your throughput yeah yeah and also you if you give us three bucks a month you can uh listen to us talk about visual novels and bad movies and other novels that we've read we got a lot of fun stuff on there all for the low low price of three dollars a month not 290 dollars and liz what are we reading next we are reading chapter 12 it's called Magic is Might, so I'm feeling some politics coming along. Mm, I think the politics might be here. Uh, I see it. The, the picture, the illustration is Hermione holding up what looks like a picture of a chair. Um, <laughs> oh, oh. So, okay. I don't know what that could be about. Huh. 
Yeah, I'm actually not sure what on earth that could be. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm just critical, because like I said, you read the best piece of writing you've ever read, and then you just go back to, like, Harry Potter yeah, Book 7, cares? and it's like, well, what what, yeah, what can cares? you really expect? Where's Where's Snape? I want to hear his cool voice. I know. That's all I care about now. Exactly. All right, well, this week just goes to show that if you branch out, you can find you can find incredible writing anywhere. So please, with that in mind, please read another book. Please read another book. But there's a lady there makes ocean rolls seem tame. But know what you're after if you catch a ride. Cause this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.